0: In a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic.
1: Excellent.
0: Welcome back into another episode of the Sports Hour. This is Mitch Moe.
1: And this is Dallin. Guys, welcome back in. It It is Wednesday, my dude. (laughs) We had the same thought. It is Wednesday, my dudes. We're going to say this every week on the podcast now, because as you probably heard last week, I'm demanding that we record these on Wednesday evening afternoons now. So uh, it is Wednesday, my dudes. We are recording this on March 9th. And Mitch, uh, wow, we have a lot to get into today. The sports gods did us well this week by giving us uh, some great news and notes to speak on, uh, notably uh, a, quite a few moves uh, for quarterbacks in the NFL uh, that we will be getting into in this new segment here. Bombshells, dominoes falling, and they will continue to fall as we get closer and closer uh, to the beginning of NFL free agency. So uh, we've got that in store today. And then, Mitch, last week we did AFC offseason team needs. This week, we're going to look at the NFC team by team, uh, get into the team the offseason needs and the direction for every team in the NFL. We got it. We put in the work get we uh, you know, what's the what's the Dwayne the Rock Johnson song? Uh, we got the drive. It's about we,
0: drive. It's about it's about Yes we stay hungry we devour
1: that's us i mean he
0: wrote that hey, listen
1: guys <laughs> just a little he wrote that it's about the us Dumbest
0: song of all time <laughs> i hate that i know the lyrics that. tiktok ruins lives
1: yeah i was gonna say you can thank tiktok for that one as it uh, as it gets stuck in here what's the trend right now on tiktok mitch that you're enjoying or what's what's been popping up recently on your for you page that you've been enjoying on on the talk
0: oh man there's there's a lot there's uh the do you wear are you new here are you new here? That's a good one. That's um, a good one. Let's see. There's the one where it's a, it's the backstreet boys. And it's like, uh, it's, Oh, and they're like, and they, yeah, yeah. And then it gets back, to
1: something that they like don't do, or they don't want to do
0: seen a lot of NFL and MLB ones. For that. Yeah. Um, that's a
1: good one. That's a, you know, which one I'm a big fan of, uh, Are we brainstorming
0: right now for my next TikTok? I I mean, maybe we are. And and speaking of that,
1: as you guys know, the listeners, uh, Mitch is due nine more TikToks for his punishment for losing the Quick Picks this year. So any TikTok trends or ideas that you come across, that you want to see uh, Mitch do in some capacity on our page, send them over to us. The TikTok is at the sports hour guys. You can also reach out to us directly and send those, but uh, any sort of trends, the one that I'm really enjoying is the sound where the mom's talking to a little girl. And she was like, you can't do that. And he, she goes, I just a baby,
0: just a baby. Yeah.
1: That was that. I love that one. That's just funny. That's just funny to me. I love That's that. A great so, one. I love
0: yeah. the, I love the sounds on there that when you find like the little kids cussing,
1: <laughs> there's something about little kids. Drop in, drop in like an f-bomb because they heard it from the parents that just there's gets, like
0: the one where it's like hey guess what uh hey guess what sophie or whatever the little girl seems what it's like i love you oh really it's like yeah hey mom guess what what i want to kick your ass it's like i love that one
1: <laughs> that's great that's great see this uh, is yes teach your kids how to swear uh you won't go wrong that's that's the advice we have for you as long you today. as they
0: do it as long as they do it right you know and and not just like throw an f-bomb out whenever they want if they do True. it right then yeah. in the
1: right context perfect
0: yeah that's absolutely. what
1: we it's sports hour approved
0: what's <laughs> our you know full-on parents over here right just, I mean,
1: obviously we're experts right we know uh we're we're we uh we're the place you go for the sage advice on parenting uh mitch Moe and Dale.
0: yeah hey speaking of experts who are really good at advice in their job
1: Oh yes, uh, so a little. Uh, you got a clown behind you on the Zoom here. A a or or my favorite word, Mitch. Here's a Spanish word for you. Never learn Spanish. Do you know what clown is in Spanish?
0: No, I did not.
1: Payaso.
0: Oh well, this is a uh, El Payaso de Rob Manfred. behind Yes, me. yes. <laughs> so
1: yeah, um. Unfortunately, wow. I, I wish we could have more news about the MLB lockout. Um, uh, but we're kind of just. In the same spot, right? Still negotiating. It looks like more, maybe a week or two more games gonna be canceled at this point.
0: See, I hate to see it. You hate to see it. He's he's in the pit of misery for life for a reason. I mean, this guy is terrible at his job. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He might just, he might
0: be the worst commissioner in the history of sports. He has to be, right?
1: That would be an interesting dive. I'd have to I'd have to look back because. Like put, at like, least put, at like, least in the last twenty years, like I think you, it, it would be safe to say in the last twenty years, he's the worst commissioner among the major leagues. Like I think a hundred percent. But like I don't know. I think you, have
0: put, like, you have to put like that scandal, far back. Like you have to put like scandal aside. Sure. And just like look at like just bad what at they, your job. Like what they brought <laughs> to the sport. Rob Manfred might be the worst one of all time.
1: Yeah, I like that. well, well, you know who's not uh, bad at their job, Mitch. Huh you, you oh. you're, you're you're good when you uh when you bring us into this next segment here we should probably just jump into the podcast here with the news
0: all right let's get into the news and notes around the world of sports let's get a little i appreciate the kind words buddy I yeah appreciate-
1: nobody nobody would call mitchmo the rob manfred of podcasts no, nobody would do it <laughs> it's just not true it would be false be false oh. to say you're more like the Paul yeah. Tagleboo of. Uh, <laughs> I love Paul Tagleboo. I love Paul Tagleboo. I was uh, just trying to pull out a name. I don't even know how he ranks the, uh, in commissioners, but you the know the Bud
0: Ceiling, the Bud Ceiling. Oh, there the you part. go. Yeah. yeah, the butt. The butt Ceiling of news.
1: Oh, okay, Mitch. Well, let's let's jump uh, right in with. I'm the, the Ron
0: Burgundy of sports. Let's just get yes. that out there. Speaking of that,
1: okay, I know a lot of tangents to start this podcast, but we're That's feeling okay. it, guys. We That's got okay. the energy. Yeah. Uh, yes. Did you see this? I think it was last night. The Warriors come out to warm up before their game, and who's Jackie warming Moon? up with Clay Thompson? But Will Ferrell as Jackie Moon, his character uh, from. Sorry, I forgot that. I just forgot. Okay, Semipro. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna add that in here. Yeah. from semi-pro he, he's in the garb he's in the uniform and he's warming up he's shooting underhand free throws in front of Steph Curry it was it just funny I love that I love that That's great I
0: mean two highlights from that one the closeouts that he's doing on clay as he's <laughs> shooting corner threes <laughs> yes yes and then two he drops a dime from half court oh yes that's right I did see that incredible I mean, he didn't call bank but you know it, it still counts <laughs> I, guess,
1: so. I love that will ferrell gets to just reprise his roles for movies like he gets to go be Man for a day somewhere when he wants he gets to go be jackie moon for the warriors before a game if you want like what a life I
0: think, I, I think he's been ricky bobby a couple times yeah like,
1: i'm sure i'm sure he's dressed up as elf and did some
0: appearances oh, yeah. like his you know it's like what a yeah Incredible. I heard he was pretty pissed that he wasn't involved in this uh new Lakers stock that's coming out, though. Oh, yeah. I mean
1: he's yeah, a big I, basketball guy. That is that is that, cur-
0: and like his buddy Adam McKay like directed it and left. And John out C it.
1: Riley is playing uh, you know, yeah. Mr. Uh Mr. Bus there, right? Or yeah, so that is curious. That or, yeah, is he's curious.
0: playing he's playing Larry Bird, I thought.
1: No, John C. Riley is oh, Doctor Bus. Yeah, Dr. Bus he is Dr. Bus in this, so Uh, Speaking of that, I'm going to have to watch that when that comes out on HBO Max uh, because that 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 should be good. But Mitch, let's uh, let's get this underway. Let's talk QB carousel. As we mentioned, the dominoes are falling. We're going to start with the first news that we got the first domino to fall. Kind of what we were all waiting for. Right. Which was what the hell is Aaron Rodgers going to do last offseason? It was this long, drawn out process of is he coming back? Is he not? Is he going to retire? Is he going to host Jeopardy? What is going on with Aaron Rodgers? And he played last year. He won a, a second MVP in a row. They fall in the divisional round. And, you know, there was discussions of would he want to move on and be traded somewhere else? Would he want to just walk away from the game as sort of, you know, we talked about last offseason, or would he want to return to the Packers? Well, the report comes out on, uh, on Monday. Uh, I believe it's Monday or maybe Tuesday.
0: Tuesday. Tuesday.
1: The report comes out on Tuesday that Aaron Rodgers is staying in Green Bay, uh, and he is committed to the Packers. Uh, subsequently, they they signed Devontae Adams to the franchise tag. So, you know, those sort of moves kind of signal Rodgers is staying. We don't know the details of the contract yet. Ian Rapoport of the NFL Network, NFL Media, reported that it is a four-year, $200 million deal with a... Uh, uh, a one hundred fifty-three million dollars guarantee. Uh, since since that had come out, uh, Rogers has pushed back on that being confirmed. Uh, nobody has confirmed that that is the number. Uh, I have heard uh, listening to podcasts and some people in the know that there's still a hangup on the guaranteed number. The four years, two hundred million. That's pretty set. What still needs to be ironed out is what's the guaranteed money. And ultimately the cap hit situation, the cap hit is going to be less now, but it's going to get bigger towards the end of the contract. So that uh, reportedly apparently is still being negotiated, but regardless, Aaron Rodgers is going back to the green Bay Packers and he's not just going back for a year. He is, he's going to be there for the next little bit. So Mitch, your initial reaction on Rogers returning. Are you surprised that he wanted to run it back with Green Bay? And what do you think it means for them moving forward?
0: I know what it means for the Bears. We're still the leaving.
1: owner, the owner of the Bears stays still in division.
0: Long. You know? I said I like I like audibly went like shit. Like here it is. Like I was just like, God damn it. Here we are again. All over again. We think we finally over. It's like the it's like being in the eye of the storm. Like the storm passes, and you're like, Oh, thank God! Thank God! Nope, we still got the back end of it coming. Look, and it makes sense that it would be this big of a deal, right? Because he clearly did not want to be in Green Bay if they weren't going to, if they weren't going to let him have any input or you know really give him the respect he deserves. So the the big numbers make sense to me if it is four years, two hundred million. Um, the the guaranteed money. It, you could look at it a couple of different ways, and we talked about this before before we started recording. It could be that Rogers is saying, "Hey, with all the shit you've put me through the last two years, I better want a fully guaranteed." And they countered with one fifty three, and that's what they're disputing. Or like you, so they, uh, like you put forward, they offered one fifty three, and the Packers like, hell no, you know maybe one twenty. You know that it, that seems to be like the the most realistic scenario. It. It's the best move for the Packers just to pay Aaron Rodgers to keep him there. Um, bring back Devontae Adams. I don't know what their cap situation looks like after this deal is done and over with, but um, it might put them on pretty, on, you know, pretty thin ice as far as cap is. It's going to be rough. I mean, we're, we're they're, talking they're gonna have four to, years,
1: 200 million Mitch. I mean, that's fifty fifty million 50 million a year they're gonna have uh, to on make, average.
0: Yeah. They're going to have to make some cuts where it's you know where they need to and or maybe even backload the contract or something like that yeah. to figure it out to make sure that they give Aaron Rodgers what he needs to go and make a run in these last 4 years or so.
1: Yeah, ultimately this is the right move for Aaron Rodgers in my opinion. I don't think there was another team or another situation that was going to put him in a better spot to win a Super Bowl than returning to the Green Bay Packers. Right? I mean, he's won back-to-back MVPs. This team had gone to, uh, what was it? Two straight uh, NFC championship games before they, before last season. Uh, I mean, they're clearly one of the best teams uh, in the league. And on top of that, Mitch, the NFC is significantly weaker at this point than the AFC. When you look at the quarterbacks in the AFC that you have to compete with to get to the Super Bowl every year, and you compare that to what you have to go through in the NFC, it is not an easier path for Aaron Rodgers to go to Denver or to go to Pittsburgh or, you know, go somewhere. The easiest path would be to stay in green Bay where you're going to guarantee win your division, you're going to be able to compete to have that buy as the number one seed, you know, host all your games at home in Lambeau. That is the ideal scenario. So what do they do moving forward? We'll get into that a little bit towards the end of the podcast as we talk about uh, off-season needs for this team, but suffice it to say, I believe this was the right move for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the Packers had to get this done, and you don't, let, you don't let the back-to-back MVP walk out of the building without giving it your best shot. You just don't do that. That would be stupid.
0: No, I, I, I know I last week mentioned that the, that the Denver Broncos need to do everything in their power to get Aaron Rodgers, um, but quite honestly, you just... I just can't see Aaron Rodgers anything other than green and gold.
1: So yep. yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And speaking of those Denver Broncos, uh, they quickly pivoted from the plans on Aaron Rodgers, which it was clear uh, that their plans were Aaron Rodgers. And reports are that as of uh, the Sunday before the NFL combines, so we're talking about 10 days ago, uh, they got a confirmation that Rodgers was not going anywhere, that he was going to stay in green Bay and they quickly pivoted on to their next target. And that target was Russell Wilson. The Denver Broncos have traded for Russell Wilson from the Seattle Seahawks. This is the hall. This is one of the biggest trades in NFL history. We just talked about the number of draft picks and players involved. The Seattle Seahawks are sending Russell Wilson and their 2022 fourth round pick in exchange for Denver's First and second round pick this year, Denver's first and second round pick next year, Denver's fifth round pick this year, and quarterback Drew Locke, tight end Noah Fant, and defensive tackle Shelby Harris. This was, I mean, what a turn of events, right? Like hours after we find out Aaron Rodgers is staying in Green Bay. Boom. Russ is on the move, and he's going to Denver. Like Denver jumps on this immediately, and I want to focus, Mitch, on the Denver perspective of this because we'll talk NFC team needs uh, with the Seahawks moving forward. But for the Broncos, I mean, we th- we we discussed last week on the podcast that they had to make a move; they had to figure out the quarterback position and get that guy. And you could argue, despite the fact that Aaron Rodgers is a back-to-back MVP. That this is a more a better move for the Broncos long term to go get Russell Wilson. He's significantly younger, he, you know. He, so he, he got more time with him now. He was probably going to cost you less because he's not coming off back to back MVP performances. In fact, last year Russell Wilson was banged up, right? He had the finger issue. Uh, he didn't look super great down the stretch. It's not like he increased his uh, value going down the stretch of the twenty twenty one season. Uh, so it still costs two firsts two seconds you're giving up three players a lot of that's probably for contract values and evening out the money there Uh, I know Shelby Harris has a pretty significant contract as a defensive tackle that's you know probably a lot of the motivation there Drew Locke you know you got to send a quarterback uh, back but were you were you surprised to see Russell Wilson end up with Denver and kind of as we discussed last week when it came to Aaron Rodgers does this make the Broncos a legitimate Super Bowl contender in your mind?
0: this was the best possible situation for them if they didn't get Aaron Rodgers, was to get Russell Wilson. I mean, I, I, I love the move for the Broncos. I, you know, it's, it's always a tough pill to swallow when you give up that much for a guy and a fourth rounder. And I think down the line, you do, they, they won't regret it as much, but I think right now, like, probably Broncos fans that are maybe a little bit more business savvy are looking at this deal going, Oh my God, what did we just give up for a guy that's going to be in his early thirties? Like we just gave up two years worth of first and second round picks when we could go get a guy in the future, maybe like a, you know, I, the first, just the first one that comes to mind, a Bryce young, you know, a guy that could be a future star for them down the road. But I don't hate this deal at all. I don't think it was too much. I think that they they knew that they were going to have to pay up for a guy like Russell Wilson, and they paid up, and they're able to cover the tab pretty much. Um, I love the move for the Broncos.
1: Do you think that this puts them in the same tier in the AFC as the Chiefs, the Bills? maybe the Bengals at this point after their Super Bowl rung. Like, are they in tier A of AFC teams? Are they in tier B, tier C, right? Like, where does this... Because we had this discussion at the end of the podcast last week with Aaron Rodgers, and I was very adamant that I was going to push back on the notion that Aaron Rodgers to Denver automatically made them Super Bowl contenders. And I feel the same way about Russell Wilson. As much as I love both those players... And like, I think there's more to it in that regard, but I want to know your thoughts. Cause I know that you felt differently is Russell Wilson. Is he put them up in tier a, are they tier B? Where, where, where do they stand?
0: I don't want to put them up in tier a just yet, but it makes it a hell of a lot tougher for the chiefs to lock that division up. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. I think that this is a playoff team now. Um, I think that this is a, a team that could, you know, very easily lock up a wild card. I'm not going to say that they're going to go out and win the AFC West because they still have the juggernaut Kansas City Chiefs to go through. Yeah, and let's not
1: forget Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers who should
0: be continuing to rise, right? But, you know, they're probably one move away, and I don't know what that move is. I don't know what that move is, but I feel like if they just get one one other piece. I, I don't even know what it is. Maybe an offensive lineman, maybe, a maybe another wide receiver to compliment, uh, Cortland Sutton because Jerry Judy is good, but he's not a true number two in my mind. Maybe if they find that guy, then, then yeah, you could put him in the conversation with the chiefs, but they're just falling just short. Yeah. Um, but clearly a playoff team in my mind,
1: I think, I think that's fair, Mitch. And I, I want to make this point. Um, We're going to see we already I've already seen this and we're going to see over the next little bit a lot of comparisons uh, to what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did in 2020 and what the Los Angeles Rams did in 2021. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a roster that they felt was just a quarterback away that could win if they had the right guy. They go sign Tom Brady as a free agent. And in year one, they go win a Super Bowl. The Los Angeles Rams. Have feel like they have a roster last offseason that was a quarterback upgrade away from winning the Super Bowl. And so they paid a heavy price to move on from Jared Goff and to bring in Matthew Stafford. And they went out, and they won a Super Bowl. And you are going to see people say, Denver, look, they're doing the same thing. Their roster, they're a quarterback away, they go get Russell Wilson, and maybe they'll win a Super Bowl. I am going to push back on this a bit. Uh, Let's look at these situations for what they are. Let's start with Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers were not a playoff team before Tom Brady, but they did have a very capable head coach, a proven head coach in Bruce Arians, right? Bruce Arians worked magic in Indianapolis. He was fantastic in Arizona and had established the foundation in Tampa Bay that allowed them bringing in Tom Brady to have success. We're also talking about the difference between Tom Brady, the goat and Russell Wilson. And I love Russell Wilson, but they're not the same players and they're not really close at this point. So I think that's a big difference there too. And when you look at the 2021 Los Angeles Rams, this was a Rams team who went to a super bowl just three years before that with Jared Goff, with a a lot of the foundational pieces they already had, and they failed. They had a winning pedigree, a winning team that entire time, superstars on the defensive side, superstars on offense, and they just needed competent quarterback play, and they got that. Denver is not that situation, Mitch. This has not been a playoff team. They have good young players, but, but young players, guys that are not proven, right? Jerry Judy, Bradley Chubb, Javante Williams, Patrick Sertan, like there are some very talented players on this roster, but they are completely unproven. And you're adding to that Russell Wilson with a rookie head coach, a first-time head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, who comes highly regarded out of Green Bay and I think will do a good job. But this is a lot different than Bruce Arians adding Tom Brady or Sean McVay adding Matthew Stafford. So I am just going to say pump the brakes on those comparisons. It is similar that a team that feels like it's a quarterback away makes the big, splashy move to go get their guy. It's just like the Bucs did. It's just like the Rams did. It's not the same situation. And I don't think as of right now on March 9th that we're recording this 2022, I don't think it's going to result in the same thing. I don't think the Broncos are just going to, you know, cruise to the Super Bowl and, and reach that level just because they've added Russell Wilson. So you're going to see that. And I've already seen people making those comparisons. I'm going to just push back on that uh, a bit until uh, we see more.
0: I, I agree with you. I I, I agree with you, but it, it just kind of put the bow tie on this. If the Broncos go out and make a Super Bowl, are you going to agree with the methodology of the, of the bucks and the Rams over the last few years and that this works if you just get a top tier quarterback?
1: I, I, I'm not even disagreeing with the methodology per se, because I think for Tampa and for LA and even for Denver, this is absolutely the right move. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's as easy as saying they made the move, therefore it's going to work because it worked in Tampa and it worked in LA. So it's going to work in Denver. That's all I'm saying.
0: But if you see it three years in a row, if they did it,
1: if they pulled it off, well, then what's going to happen is every team that feels like they're a quarterback away is going to trade everything they can to go get whoever's available and you're going to see a lot of desperate moves made that aren't going to pan out the same way i i would be sh- i would be really surprised mitch if if it worked out like that if denver won this oh, and, and i'm on board yeah. with
0: you you know but i was just throwing a theoretical sure
1: there. sure fair enough uh as well i want to mention this as well uh with these moves and we'll get into more seattle uh, moving forward but uh as a subsequent move uh seattle seems like they're really sort of going to be breaking this thing down, obviously moving on from Russ, but they also are releasing uh franchise icon, Bobby Wagner uh, just outright releasing him saving $16 million against their cap by doing so. Uh, it allows Bobby Wagner to enter free agency, have his choice of destination moving forward, which I think is a admirable move by the Seahawks. Now, obviously they're looking at this financially, but it is nice that they didn't just trade him to, wherever they could get the best, you know, assets for uh, that. He will have his choice of destination. Uh, And don't be surprised if guys like Tyler Lockett and even DK Metcalf become available and are on the move here in the next couple of weeks, especially Lockett. I think it's pretty certain that Tyler Lockett would have a fair market and they would want to move on from him. DK Metcalf is very young, still on a rookie deal They'd have to get a very good offer to want to move on from him. But I definitely think this is uh, going to be a series of moves moving forward for the Seahawks.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. I'll, I'll save the rest of my thoughts yeah. for a little bit later when we get into that. But The, uh,
1: the, the last uh, little domino here in, in the quarterback carousel around the NFL that we're going to get into came, uh, came down uh, today. Uh, And this was this was by far the most surprising of all these Uh, Carson Wentz is on the move again, just one disappointing season in Indianapolis and the Colts have shipped him off to the commanders Washington acquiring Carson Wentz and a 2022 second round pick in exchange for a 2022 third round pick a 2022 second round pick and a 2023 third round pick that can become a second if Carson Wentz plays 70% of the plays next season. So a very similar uh, sort of deal uh, with the Eagles. The Eagles had a conditional second right in the trade to Indianapolis where if he met certain thresholds, it become a first. It did become a first uh, this season for Philadelphia. Uh, sort of same conditions there. So essentially the way you can look at this is two third round picks, and the Colts and the commanders are swapping second-round picks. It's about the difference, I think, six or seven spots that the Colts will basically move up in the draft um, for moving on from Carson Wentz. Mitch, uh, this is not ideal for Indianapolis, right? I mean, you trade for a guy, you're hoping to revolve, revive him. It didn't work. I commend the Colts for moving on now. And not waiting and not saying, well, we were, oh, we were right there, right? We were right there. If we just win that last week, we're in, uh, you know, we, if we just do these little things differently, well, you know, we can make it work. If he's not the guy and you learned that in the course of the last year, you got to move on. It doesn't matter if it cost you a first round pick. It doesn't matter if you didn't get the value out of it. If you know, he's not your guy, you got to move on. And I commend Indianapolis for not waiting on that for just moving on and for finding a trade partner willing to give them two third
0: round picks. I mean, I was, I I'm just shocked. They got anything for it. Yeah. I mean, Indianapolis moved on at the right, at the right time. I think they really did uh, to wait around Carson Wentz had a terrible offensive line. He had a very lackluster wide receiver core. This isn't Carson Wentz's fault, but I think it's the time. I think you need to just start from scratch. If you're Indianapolis. Um, I know that people are going to point at the decision-making, but he still didn't play that bad. He still didn't play that bad. He got bailed out a lot, but he still didn't play that terrible. Um, I think that the bad decision-making are glaring because they were (laughs) exceptionally, (coughs) they were exceptionally bad decisions. Um, I I tried to call it last year, Dallin, and I'll call it again this year. This is the rebirth of Carson Wentz in Washington. I like the offensive line there. I like the defense. Um, I think that they're one other wide receiver other than Terry McLaurin away from giving him enough weapons to do something with. I like Logan Thomas. Um, I was wrong last year, but you know what? I'm going to call it again this year. This is the rebirth of Carson Wentz in a Washington commander's uniform.
1: So you're buying Wentz in Washington. You're buying Carson the commander. You're buying the stock. Because here's my thing, Mitch. Objectively speaking, quarterbacks aside, what's a better team situation? The Colts or the commanders?
0: Right now, I might take the commanders. Wow, that,
1: that's, that's very surprising to me because I would say without hesitation, it's, it's the Indianapolis Colts. They have a fantastic offensive line, an all-pro running back. They don't have the wide receiver core. You could argue Terry McLaurin and whatever they have in Washington is better. I think the defenses are pretty on par and I'm, surp- and I'm surprised that Washington sees any value in this because if you could, if Carson Wentz can't get that Colts roster to the playoffs with all that around him, then what makes I guess my thought is what makes Washington think it'll be it'll be different here. or We've got more than maybe what they had there. That's that's what I that's where I am sort of confused on the Washington side of this.
0: And that's fine. But like, then the Colts on paper have a great offensive line, but the pass protection was absolutely awful last year.
1: They were very banged up in the beginning of the season. Once their offensive line got healthy, they were significantly better. They were pretty on par with what we would. Okay.
0: Expect. Well, the commanders have a healthy offensive line. So let's give him at least that credit. If he's going to go play behind a healthy offensive line or a banged up offensive line, give me the healthy one. Even if it is a step down from what the Colts are, um, I don't think the wide receiver core is any better or any worse than what he would have in Indian, in Indianapolis. And sure. There's a, there is definitely a downgrade from Jonathan Taylor to Antonio Gibson, but Antonio Gibson is still a very, very good serviceable running back. And the defense comparable, comparable. I think if they, if they play to the up to their potential, Washington's defense is comparable to Indianapolis. So I like, I like Washington buy a hair over Indianapolis for him. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, You
1: know, for the Colts moving forward, uh, obviously there is now going to be a question of who their quarterback is moving forward. And a lot of people believe, and I am of that belief, that the Colts are a roster, maybe similar to the Broncos, maybe similar, you know, to the commanders that are a quarterback away, a competent quarterback away from being a competitive team. Clearly Indianapolis believes that Carson Wentz is not the guy to take them over the edge there. But who is the guy and who can they even get at this point, right? Jimmy Garoppolo would be available via trade. He's a veteran. If you feel like you can win now and you need to make a move for a veteran quarterback, he's kind of like the only option. The other name that I've heard is Jordan Love. Chris Ballard, the Indianapolis Colts GM, was a very big fan of Jordan Love in the draft process a few years ago. So if they still like him as a prospect, and now obviously we've seen absolutely nothing from him in two years, and that's going to be the hardest thing for Green Bay if they look to move on from Jordan Love, try to get some value out of trading him. Well, I mean, he hasn't shown anything, right? So as, a, as another team, do you even know what you're getting in that prospect? But reportedly Chris Ballard was a fan of Jordan Love in that draft process. So let's say it costs a third. You just picked up two third-round picks say it costs the third to go get Jordan love is that is that worthwhile can you get Jordan love and bring in a mid-tier veteran and feel comfortable with that it will be interesting to see what the Colts do moving forward now that obviously Russell Wilson Aaron Rodgers those top top tier guys are off the board what move do they move uh make moving forward uh definitely something to monitor in free agency
0: absolutely I mean there's very few guys and the GM that I, or that I would totally trust their judgment of Chris Ballard is one of those ones. I would trust his judgment of he's a very good GM. He drafted guys like Darius Leonard, Bobby Okereke, uh, very serviceable guys uh, that are doing a great job for that Colts team. So if he's a fan of Jordan love, I'm on board with whatever Chris Ballard says, because he does a very good job of what he does. Yeah, fair
1: enough. Uh, Mitch, one little bit of NFL news before we transition to some NBA storylines. This came down on Monday, uh, Falcons wide receiver Calvin Ridley has been suspended for the 2022 NFL season for betting on NFL games while he was away from the team last year. This happened while he was in Florida. He bet on he, he bet. It was like a three, five and I think an 18 parlay. He bet fifteen hundred dollars total on a legal betting app. The hard rock app. In fact, it's it's the sponsor of the Miami Dolphin Stadium. But he bets on his own team while he is not playing, while he had taken an absence with mental health issues last year. The, uh, it, was, it was reported from the company to the NFL. Uh, hey, this player's bet. And the investigation goes, and they have suspended him for a year. I've seen a lot of mixed opinions on this suspension, the severity of the suspension. I have no issue with the NFL suspending Calvin Ridley for doing this. I have no issue suspending him for a year. I think for the NFL, you have to protect the integrity of your product. And if you have players actively betting on games, it calls into question the integrity of your product for better or worse, whether it's justified or not. Right. I've already seen, Clowns like Emmanuel Acho get on the Internet and suggest that Calvin Ridley was throwing games, pointing out clips where he was supposed to run this route and he didn't. Was he throwing the game like it's obviously ludicrous. But when a player bets on games during the season, those questions are automatically going to rise. So I understand the NFL's standpoint on this. I understand the suspension. I've seen a lot of comparisons. The way the NFL has handled this with the way that the NFL has handled many of their issues in the past, most notably uh, abuse, uh, Ray Rice. I mean, there's a lot of different people who have been suspended and punished a lot less than Calvin Ridley did for what we could all agree are much more heinous things, right? Calvin Ridley legally bet on games. Right, in a legal state, like it's not like he did anything illegal in that sense. But I all that aside, I'm okay with the punishment. I think it's I think it's fair. I think Calvin Ridley should know better. And you just don't be stupid. If you want to bet fifteen hundred dollars on your team, go have your cousin make the freaking bet, bro. Like, don't be a freaking idiot. Don't put your name on that shit. What do you like? You deserve to be punished if you're going to be that blatant and dumb about it. So that's my thought on it. And that's pretty much all I have, Mitch.
0: Where, where, where are you at on this? I'm not okay with the severity of the suspension. I mean, this was way over the top. I understand him protecting the integrity of the game. And I think that that's where the arguments for like guys like Pete Rose come into mind, right? Because right. he was betting while he was still managing a team. Sure. Calvin Ridley wasn't with the team. He wasn't practicing with the team. He wasn't training with the team. He did it in a legal fashion. Yeah. He bet for his own team to win, and he's going to get penalized more than all these guys that go out and, and are abusers and it, it, criminals. criminals. Criminals like actual, criminals. Cr- you know, <laughs> criminals that are. And he's going to get suspended twice as harshly as any of those guys did. That's just absolutely absurd to me i don't understand it look i understand rules are rules if you're not supposed to bet on football games while you know while you're part while you're a participant in the nfl then so be it you know you, hey you broke the rule even though you did it legally you did it in a uh, comparatively speaking to what kind of money you make a very small fashion right you know $1,500
1: for a guy who is it's, making millions it's pocket right.
0: change it's pocket change but you know I, I understand that rules are rules but you can't penalize a guy that harshly for something he did legally and and you know comparatively speaking that you guys you have punished twice as you know or half as much for guys that are criminals. I, I just don't get the suspension. I think a so fair, what would have
1: been. Yeah. So what would have been the fair suspension in your mind?
0: I would have, I would have said four games. I would have said four games and call it you know four games and a $20,000 fine. Call it that. I mean, that, that seems fair to me. If, if he's breaking a rule, He's not going out and hitting some poor woman. He's not doing anything like that. He's making a legal bet while he's not with his teammate, And he's making the bet on his own team to win. So he's not, he's clearly not throwing anything. He's not challenging the integrity of the game, but he clearly broke a rule. So four games would seem suffice. I would even be cool with two games. And throw in the fine. But, you know, what they did was way over the top. And I understand they want to make an example of him. But sure. but it, it's, it's just way, way too harsh. Way too harsh for a guy that was struggling with mental issues and wants to come back into the game. And then he makes $1,500 bet and you, sus- and you send him for a year. Just yeah, to-, it I, makes sense I, to me. I,
1: yeah, and I, and I totally understand where you're coming from. I will say, I mean, he was away from the team and that, you know, he's not actively playing, but he is being paid by the team. Right, he is a team employee. He's still cashing his checks every week from the NFL. Sure. So as so, there is a there's there's a something wrong there, right? Where a punishment has to be had. But and the NFL has worth? the I NFL has put down harsher penalties for people that have bet on leagues. Just a few years ago, they punished a player even more than they did Calvin Ridley for betting on games while they were an active player. So they're not, this is they're actually not. so this is actually less then usually what we see, right? Pete Rose isn't even allowed on a freaking baseball diamond because he bet on games now. And I understand the situations are different, but when we're talking about severity, if you actually compare Calvin Ridley's punishment for betting on games with players in the NFL and in other leagues and how they've been punished, like Ridley actually kind of got off easier in this regard. He had less of a punishment than we've seen in the past in the NFL, as it opens itself up to gambling, as it partners with FanDuel and with sports books, and it opens this world up, it is going to run into this issue. And I think the ultimate, the ultimate takeaway here is the NFL needs to have a more concrete plan with how it's going to handle things like this moving forward, have a very clear understanding with players what you can or cannot do. If it's just outright not allowed and this is the punishment, make that very clear. This is not allowed. This is what's going to happen. If it, if there's gray areas, if there's, you know, concessions to be made within the NFL PA and the league, like, I think that needs to be figured out because he's he's not the only player in the league to be betting on games. He's just not like there are other players that are doing it. They're getting away with it because they're doing it in other means. But I feel like the NFL needs to probably be more clear on how they're going to handle this moving forward, because the more they involve gambling into the league and the more they accept gambling with fans and with their product, this is going to become more and more of an issue, and they need to have a better plan for how to address this moving forward.
0: I, I don't care if he's the one that got off easy with the bet with the betting stuff. I I, I really don't care. It's it's that that whole system's messed up because those criminals that, that wound up being abusers should be suspended, that or straight up banned from the league if they want to. And Calvin really is going to get a whole year while those guys got four games, two games, yep. eight games. That this the system is screwed up. The system is really screwed up and they need, they need to really take a look in the mirror and figure out the rules for that, because there is no way in hell, a guy that bet on his own team should be getting a full season. When someone that beat up a chicken in an elevator should be getting eight. Yep. That's screwed up. And if you want to talk no, about, I mean, image, I'm, and, I'm, I'm and, with you on that. And if you want to talk about image for the league, a guy that's betting on games is a hell of a lot less consequential than the guy that's beating up some chicken in right. an elevator. Yeah. So
1: that you're letting you, back N- on the field, you know, a couple games. NFL
0: later. figure it the hell yeah. out because your image looks terrible right now.
1: Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, either way it's a messy situation. And I think, like I said, the NFL need could have definitely handled this better and needs to figure out how they're going to address this. Cause this is just going to be an issue in the future. We're going to see more of this. Players are going to continue to bet on games and they need to have a better plan for that. So, Mitch, let's talk some NBA storylines here. Mitch, we're going to start this off with a guy who doesn't like curves. He doesn't like globes, circles, <laughs> ovals, anything with any sort of curvature to it. He's not. He's a flat kind of guy. Kyrie Irving, you know what I'm talking about.
0: Uh, yeah. The
1: flat earther himself. Uh, <laughs> Kyrie uh, dropped 50 points. Uh, what was it last night, Tuesday night, and I went over the Charlotte Hornets, uh, 50 points for Kyrie with the Brooklyn nets. And Mitch, I saw this stat on Twitter, I believe, and I don't have this in front of me. So if I'm misquoting this, you know, it is what it is. But Kyrie Irving has three games with the Brooklyn nets where he scored at least 50 points. Uh, no other player in the history of the Brooklyn the, of the Nets has more than one 50 point game, which was shocking because one, Kyrie hasn't been in Brooklyn for that long. And two, he hasn't played that much, right? I mean, this whole season, uh, I mean, he, he can't have played more than like 20 games at this point with uh, the, the vaccine mandates in New York, him being unvaccinated, not being able to play at home. He struggled with injuries. But I thought this was significant to see him drop 50 points last night because it reminds it reminded me and I think it reminds us all of the potential of this Brooklyn team when it's at its full strength. And we never got to see KD, Kyrie, James Harden at full strength for any significant portion of time. Uh, And they moved on from James Harden. They brought in Ben Simmons and Seth Curry. And so the team looks different, but. For a Nets team that is thirty-three and thirty-three, currently the eight seed in the East, and you know going to be in the bubble in the play-in tournament, uh, it is vital that not only Kyrie is playing, but that he's playing at this level. And seeing him still capable of drafting fifty points in night is a good reminder to the NBA that the Brooklyn Nets are not to be trifled with. By by the time playoffs come around, I would suspect that the mandates in New York would be eased enough that Kyrie will be able to play games at home and be able to be a full participant. And when Kyrie and KD are full participants with this team, this Brooklyn team is going to be a lot better than the seven or eight seed they will be entering the playoffs.
0: I think they are with a fully healthy KD and a fully healthy Kyrie. Absolutely, they're going to be better than an eight seed. I think they're better than the Raptors. I think they're up there with the Cavs and well, and we'll get to this other team in a minute. I don't think they're quite there to the five seed, but you know, they, they are definitely a six seed team right now with a healthy KD and a healthy Kyrie. And with Kyrie putting up these numbers, um, uh, it's, it's something that the nets have really needed all year long. I'm glad to see that Kyrie is actually stepping up his game and you're right. Hopefully that New York does, uh, ease up on the COVID restrictions. It sounds like it's definitely headed in that right direction. So he'll be available for those home playoff games. And maybe the Nets could be a sneaky team to make a run down the stretch.
1: Yeah. Interesting note here. Uh, The, uh, the away record for the Brooklyn Nets this year, 20 and 15, the home record 13 and 18. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, if there's anything that shows the the difference right between having certain players and, and, and not having them, I think that, just kind of shows it right there uh and again a good reminder that that's going to be a tough team. Miami's right now the one seed it would be a Miami Brooklyn opening series and I'm going to be honest I don't know if I would be taking Miami in that as the one seed right oh, like if wow. Kyrie is hell you know and KD are playing in that I, that is, that's a tough draw for whoever has to uh, face the Brooklyn Nets uh, early in that playoff series. Mitch, uh, the next NBA storyline we got, we're going to talk about the Golden State Warriors. We mentioned uh, Will Ferrell as Jackie Moon warming up with them. Well, Mitch, they could use, they might they might need uh, him to suit up for them. They could use all the help they get at this point. Uh, the Warriors, who for a long time were, sort of right up there with the Suns in the West, right up there at the top of the NBA, have really fallen off in the last 10 to 12 games. They had a nine-game win streak towards the end of January. And since that nine-game win streak, uh, they have gone three and nine in their last 12 games. That includes a few games before the All-Star break and post-All-Star break. In fact, post-All-Star break, uh, I believe they're two and five. And they've fallen now uh, to the three seats. Memphis has passed them for the two seed. They're half a game back of Memphis right now. Three games up on Utah, who's the four seed. Three and a half games up on Dallas. And Golden State's kind of dipping. And if you look at their schedule and you look at these wins and losses, what I think is most notable is that they are losing to playoff teams. Those three wins in this span have come against the Lakers, the Portland Trailblazers, And the Los Angeles Clippers. All those are play in tournament teams, right? Teams that the Warriors should beat. They've also lost two games against Denver, two games against Dallas. They lost to Minnesota. They lost to Utah. So it is interesting to me that the Warriors are struggling to beat the playoff teams and can only get it done against teams that they, you know, that are not at that caliber. I think that is concerning for the warriors moving forward especially when it comes to seeding because you're going to want one of those play in teams you're going to want the lakers or minnesota or new orleans in that first matchup you don't want a 6 seed denver you don't want a 6 seed dallas or have to go in the 4 or 5 matchup against them or utah you don't want that like that is that's awful for the warriors so they it's, it's time for them with just 15 to 20 games left in the season. It is time for them to start riding this ship here quick because uh, it's not going to get any easier and they're falling while other teams are
0: rising. Well, what's even more concerning about those loss to playoff teams right now, are the majority of them are on the road. If they can't get it done on the road, you're going to have a hard time. You're going to hard time, have a hard time getting anything done right now. The Warriors 27 and seven at home. They're awesome at home 17 and 15 on the road. And they've dropped the majority of those last 10 that they've lost to playoff teams on the road. So I don't, I, I, it's, it's definitely eyebrow raising. That's for sure. Um, It makes you a little bit worried about this Warriors team who has, who has come back from the last two years of being so injury riddled um, and being competitive that, you know, maybe they're maybe if they come up against a tough team like a Denver, like a Dallas, um, or even a Utah, that they you know if they have them on the road, maybe it takes seven to get it done, and you better hope you win all four at home because you're not playing that well on the road. Yeah,
1: obviously, a big uh, factor in this is not having Draymond Green, uh, who has missed a significant amount of time. And yes, you might get him back by the time the playoffs come around, but this is an older Draymond who is going to have missed significant time. And there's no saying how he comes back. And is is he full Draymond form by the time he comes back? And if you don't have Draymond, you're relying on other guys around Stephen Clay that are teenagers, James Wiseman, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody. Like those are the guys that they have to rely on. It is a much different spot for a Warriors team that has traditionally been able to surround uh their stars with veterans with experience, right? We think of Sean Livingston, right? We think of uh, Andrew Bogat, right? I mean, all those teams just had veteran police, Andre Godali. You just plugged those guys in, they knew what to do. This is a different team. These are young players who are still learning the game, still learning how to flow in this offense and around these stars. And it that's easier said than done. That 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 ability to do that comes with experience, and that's what this team doesn't have right now. So they they've got to start getting things in the right direction. They got to get Draymond back, but uh, it's, it's a precarious spot for the warriors who, again, they are falling while other teams are rising. And that would be the concern uh, for the warriors in the West. Speaking of teams that are rising though, Mitch, our final NBA storyline is about the Boston Celtics who are red hot right now. Get, get this, get this. And their last, uh, their last 16 games, Mitch, they are 14 and two. 14-2 14 and 2 in their last 16 games. And suddenly, Boston has surged from being in the play in tournament to being right now the five seed in the East. The five seed in the East, Mitch, and they're only two games back of the two seed Philadelphia 76ers. Just two games back of the two seed, two games back of Milwaukee at the three, only a half game back of Chicago at the four. And this is the right time of the year to be surging like this for the Boston Celtics. You've got Jason Tatum playing at an extremely high level. He's a very capable player. And this team is moving in the right direction. It's a team to watch in the East as teams like Chicago, Cleveland are sort of struggling at this point. Don't be surprised if Boston moves up into that top four and gets home court advantage in the first round.
0: Yeah, I, I mean they're they're red hot right now. Like you said, fourteen and two, um, heading in the right direction. They still got to figure out how to win on the road right now. Still sixteen and sixteen on the road, so uh, they could figure out how to win a little bit better on the road, which I'm sh- they have been doing during this uh, sixteen game stretch. Um, continue that trend, they- they'll be right up there in those top four seeds by the by the end of the year.
1: Yeah, Jason Tatum scored fifty four the other night in a win over Brooklyn and. Uh, I mean, we've, we've seen him in the playoffs. We've seen him throughout his career, Uh, even as a rookie, he was, he was dropping big games in the playoffs uh, battling with LeBron James when he was still with Cleveland. Uh, I mean, he's a guy who I think is very capable of leading a team in the playoffs to heights uh, and being that superstar level player, how the rest of the team around him emerges Jalen Brown, uh, some of the other role pieces uh, role players that they have, but uh, good sign for the Boston Celtics, who, again, this is the time of year with 15, 20 games left. This is when you want to be surging, right? You want to be moving in the right direction. You want to be improving. Uh, and that's exactly what Boston is doing right now. A great spot for the Celtics uh, moving forward. Mitch, that's it for the NBA storylines. We've got to mention our Kraken, the weekly Kraken update. Another rough week for the boys as the Kraken are, one in three since we last uh, we last spoke. They got a win against the Predators last Wednesday, but then dropped uh, three straight road games against the Capitals, Hurricanes and Maple Leafs, respectively. Uh, still still a tough spot for our boys, Mitch. But I do want to focus on uh, one bit of news that I think is significant. Uh, the Kraken have signed uh leading score Jared McCann to a contract extension five years 25 million dollar extension uh, for one of the young pieces that has emerged in this inaugural season and it has been a rough inaugural season for the Kraken but McCann has shown uh, as their leading score 33 points despite missing eight games he was slated to be a restricted free agent but he has Uh, You know, sign that extension. that will keep him with the Kraken through the 2027 season. He's 25 years old. And uh, this is, this is good. This is positive, right? This first year you want to figure out who do we have? What do we have? Who can we keep around post expansion draft? And you know, where are we going moving forward? They'll have a high draft pick in the NHL draft to select a young, talented player. But these are the type of moves that are important. Uh, The first player the first Kraken to ever re-sign with the Kraken. So he's like the most Krakeniest Kraken we have.
0: A lifelong Kraken. I love it. I love yeah. it. Uh, yeah, McCann's, McCann's a great re-sign. Love it. Um, we've had a rough stretch, but I, I don't think that we expected. I mean, I know I didn't expect much out of him this year. I expected them to struggle, but the fact that we can lock up a good young piece in the long term, have a good, have a good draft pick going into the draft. Um, I mean, absolutely going to find the next Sidney Crosby in this next draft. I mean, that's just a given. Absolutely. Um, Without yeah. a doubt. So, I mean, it, yeah, we're not in a bad spot. We may not be winning games right now, but you know what? We're not in a bad spot. And I talked about this last week. Don't get too hard on the Kraken just now, don't, don't, don't jump ship on them. Now we're just building. We're yep. just building.
1: Yeah, It's, it's, you know, it's it time. And
0: only go up to the moon.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yes. Cracking to the moon as uh, as Elon Musk would say, uh, Mitch, before we wrap up the news here, we got to give a little update on NASCAR. Uh, the series was in Las Vegas this past weekend. Uh, Mitch, how was the race? Couples, couple, you know, another race into this season. How are things looking with the new car?
0: New car looks great, man. Uh, really putting driver ability to the test. And we've, and we, and we saw that again. And we saw that in the first two races of the year. We're seeing it again. Uh, guys having a hard time. Um, not really a hard time, I should say, but it's really putting more in the driver's hands. They're really having to wheel that thing around. We're going to find out who the true wheel man is. And I, I talked about multiple times over the last couple of weeks about it leveling the pit playing field a uh, track house again the owned by mr 305 himself pitbull gets another top five finish this week wow. ross, Chast- ross chastain brings the number one car home in third Kyle or alex bowman gets the w uh kyle L- larson coming home in second chastain and third uh kyle bush william byron coming home in uh uh, fifth to round at the top five uh, just to give you a quick synopsis of the top 10 it'll be Almirola, Reddick, Truex, Elliott, and then Christopher Bell to round at the top 10. Um, another great race. Um, I just want to put uh, Kyle Busch on blast and how big of a douchebag he is. Um, Alex Bowman, who's a guy who has had a, a journeyman's career. Uh, he, he started really young, was racing for a defunct team that actually had sponsorships that weren't paying the team back uh, for their sponsorship. So like he, he, you know, he, he raced for some defunct teams. He gets the opportunity to fill in for Dale jr. During his injury issues, junior retires. Bowman is the predecessor as the successor to juniors ride. Um, and now has been a perennial contender. Um, Kyle Bush this week after finishing, uh, I believe, what did I say? Finish fourth. Yeah. Finishing fourth, uh, gets overtaken by Bowman late after a late race caution. Says, and I quote, the same fucking guy who backs into every fucking win that he ever fucking gets backs into another fucking win. Bullshit. What a prick. The guy just cannot stand to lose to young talent. And, oh, I'm so tempted, Dallin. Oh, I'm so tempted to do it. I'm so tempted to do it. I I, I, I say,
1: I don't even know what you're going to do, but I say do it.
0: Kyle Bush, welcome to the Pit of Misery. Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly.
1: How is he not here? Listen, I know there's like, maybe that isn't an offense worthy of the Pit of Misery, but his overall character issues over the course oh. of his career is more than enough to qualify him for the Pit oh, of Misery. Oh no, he's
0: in there and I wrote his sentence down or what he's in there for it. It's for being a dick. Like no. the guy's just a dick. <laughs> and you know what? He, he's done this before. Like he, he will blow off He'll blow off interviewers when he's pissed about the way he ran. He'll blow off interviewers if he feel like he got wrecked. Um, he's he's cussed out guys before. He's he's pulled the Marshawn Lynch. He didn't even have his own original line. He said, "I'm just here because I'm not get because I so I won't get fined." Like he pulled the, uh, the Marshawn Lynch out, and you know Amazing. he's not even, he's not he's not even original with his own dickness. Like he's just he's just a. It's not an original dick he's a rerun no. dick he's, he's a like, red dick. dick he's like yeah yeah he has a a 3d print of what a dick is like you know, <laughs> photocopy I called a photocopied dildo
1: dick. Mitch. i think that's what that's called
0: hey, well he's the that too he's that he is that too um <laughs> yeah cow push dilly dilly welcome to the pit of misery um, you can't be happy for a young driver that goes out, just flat out, outraces you in the, in the final laps. Uh, you know, you, I mean, he's never had any respect for me and, and the amount of respect that I had from him is still as is, it's dropped even lower now. Yes, so.
1: I don't think I can appropriately name this pot title, this episode of the podcast, Kyle Bush is a dildo, uh but that's kind of what I'm feeling at oh, this point. So you can't, uh, you
0: can't actually, that will not get us taken down. So uh, Mitch, uh,
1: great as always. You love to see an addition to the pit of misery. Um,
0: that if is- you're worried about, if you're worried about the term dildo, just say Cal Bush is a 3d printed dick.
1: Yeah, there you go. That's true. You go. Yeah, yeah. Then you'll just kind of get the, what that means.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Mitch, that's,
1: uh, that's going to do it for the news. Well, I guess before we do, we got to uh, do our NFL draft update and the player to know before the NFL draft. Last week, the NFL scouting combine took place in Indianapolis. We saw a lot of fast times. Uh, like everybody, every position group had like record setting times at the NFL combine, which just goes to show that they were just – counting guys early like they just juiced these times like that's all when every position group is setting records at the 40 uh just means that you were uh something was wrong with the clock there but uh suffice it to say it's a big week in indie for a number of different prospects and we're going to mention one of those in the player to know before the nfl draft but i did want to make one note as it pertains to the nfl draft and the projections uh as the Jacksonville Jaguars placed a second franchise tag on left tackle Cam Robinson, the betting odds have shifted in favor of Aiden Hutchinson to be the number one pick. Now before, as you've heard on this podcast, uh, Mitch and I are big advocates of Evan Neal at number one. Uh, we've heard more and more of the name Eka McWanu from the tackle from NC State as a potential number one pick, but, with the Jaguars set to pay high dollar for Cam Robinson again, and having already had Juwan Taylor and Walker little on the roster, it makes less and less sense now that they will address tackle with that number one overall pick. So that is a shift in the thinking up until this point, it's been pretty consensus that offensive line was going to be the spot. Now that the franchise tag has been applied to Cam Robinson you'll see more and more mock drafts that have Aiden Hutchinson uh, going number one overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars as that top defensive prospect. Uh, and I think that's fair. I think that makes sense. Uh, I put out my first mock draft, my mock draft 1.0. If you haven't read it already, go to the sports hour, dot uh, sports hour com to catch that. And I did have Evan Neal uh, as the number one pick. This was before uh, the news of the franchise tag came out and perhaps in my version 2.0, I haven't decided yet. Cause that will come post NFL free agency. Um, perhaps that will change to Aiden Hutchinson or another defensive player, but that is an intro, an important note to make here. Uh, as we move forward, that is a change. And perhaps Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Kyle Hamilton, maybe we see other defensive players mentioned as possible. Number one picks.
0: Yeah, I, I, s- I still don't want to bet on Aiden Hutchinson going number one. I still don't. Um, and primarily because we've seen Evan Neal and Eka McQuandu play multiple positions on the offensive line, and they can address yes. guard.
1: So, and, they, and, and, so and, that's, and I'm with you there, and, I, and I, that's where I'm kind of at. Now, at the same time, if you're drafting a player at, with the first number one pick in the NFL draft to play guard, that positional value says you cannot do that. You cannot draft a player number one overall to stick him at guard. Now, if he's the long-term tackle of your future for the next 15 years and for a couple of years, he's going to play guard, maybe, right? So maybe that's the way that you'd have to pitch that. But I think that's where uh, it stands right now. Uh, and that's why you're going to see Hutchinson more. But we will find out more and more through free agency as we get closer kind of where they stand. But I'm with you. I would not rule out completely Neil or Kwanu because as you mentioned, they both have played multiple positions, including both tackle spots guard. And so uh, positional, you know, versatility there was, is going to give them uh, definitely uh, an edge in that
0: regard. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mitch, the
1: player to know before the NFL draft <sighs> this week and uh, last week on the podcast, I mentioned uh, the player to know was Jalen Petrie, the cornerback safety out of Baylor uh, Mitch this week is going to be one of the biggest risers post NFL combine. Uh, This guy had a fantastic combine was already sort of rising into the first round discussion, even into the top half of the first round discussion. You are now seeing this player legitimately projected in the top five of the NFL draft. And, and in some cases, even higher than that. And we are talking about edge defender, Trayvon Walker out of Georgia, Trayvon Walker is one of many talented Georgia defensive linemen. Mitch wrote up a great piece on the Hot Corner this week on one of his former teammates from Georgia, Jordan Davis, who had a record-setting NFL combine in his own regard. The other defensive tackle, Devontae Wyatt, uh, is also going to be a first-round prospect. But Trayvon Walker, the edge, uh, has been rising, and he's got the the frame and the size that you want to see, 6'5", he weighed in at 272 at the NFL combine. He ran a four five one forty, a six, eight, nine, three cone. Uh, and when you're that big and you are showing that kind of speed and that kind of uh, at that size, he had a 35 and a half inch vert, a 10, three broad jump. He tested just off the charts and you are seeing him rise more and more with those measurables. Uh, with those numbers, he didn't have the production at Georgia that you would typically see for a guy who's going to go in the top five, right? Just six sacks last year, 29 pressures. Uh, PFF, he was he had a 71.4 grade for PFF, which is okay. It's not great. Uh, the year before, he had a, a 70.0 grade for PFF, which again is nah, good, but not great. He never really showed out in college the way that Aiden Hutchinson did the way that Kayvon Thibodeau did, but you're going to start seeing his name ahead of Kayvon Thibodeau and you're going to start seeing his name third overall, fourth overall Todd McShay and his latest mock draft that he uh, dropped today had him going fifth overall to the New York Giants. Get comfortable with Trayvon Walker in the top 10 he's a player to know uh, as he continues to rise post combine that's why he's mentioned here Trayvon Walker edge Georgia player to know before the NFL draft this week
0: yeah I mean it's great player to know as he continues to rise up the four five one forty. um but you know what I I look at the player himself and guess what I got a good look at him in that national championship game you're well familiar and, (laughs) and that SEC championship game and let me tell you something trayvon Walker is you know, he's six foot five two seventy two like you mentioned big long he's powerful at the point of attack um he's for a guy his size, he understands how to create great leverage off the line um This is a guy that is is got all the tools to be a great pass rusher in the n f l um i I understand why he's rising up draft boards now because he has all the tools and all the right. technique to get there. Um, unlike his guy, his uh, his boy Jordan Davis, who I just wrote a piece on, go on sportshourguys.wordpress.com to check on that piece on why we should pump the brakes on Jordan Davis. Um, but Trayvon, uh, Trayvon Walker is, is. Completely understandable why he's up the, rising up the boards. Uh, this guy's got a, an immense amount of talent and a, a, an incredible amount of upside.
1: Yeah, and as you mentioned, those tools, right, that's what teams are going to look at. And if we can get the most out of those tools, what can this guy be? When you test the way that he does at his size, uh, you're in your own stratosphere, right? And that's what's going to appeal uh, to NFL teams. In my mock draft 1.0, I had him going at number 14 to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, he is the perfect sort of three, four edge, uh, that you would look for. There's going to be a lot of teams that are going to, you know, uh, that's going to look good to them. The giants, uh, who Todd McShay had him going to the giants at number five. I think that's a great fit there. There's going to be a lot of teams in that top 10, the giants, the Falcons, uh, even the Seahawks now at number nine, those are teams, the jets that could absolutely be looking at Trayvon Walker. So don't be surprised when you see him go top 10 in April.
0: Very TJ very TJ Watt esque in his yep. playmaking ability. I I, yep. I love this kid. Yeah. Great guy. Right. Great, great guy to have there, Dallin. I love that. Thanks,
1: man. Thanks. It's, it's even though I, I, even though I hated
0: him kicking the tides that ass, yeah. Oh, right,
1: <laughs> not a player you're you were necessarily a fan of watching him, but maybe you could be a fan of now uh, that he's not I'm beating tight. the tides. Yeah, there you go, yes. uh, <laughs> Mitch. That's gonna do it for the for the uh, news. That's gonna do it for the first half of the podcast here. So we're gonna take a quick break and hit a mid roll. And when we come back, we will get into uh, NFC offseason team needs. Every team in the conference uh, will go over what we think they should be doing in their offseason coming up. So stick around and we'll be right back. Thanks for checking out the Sports Hour today. We appreciate you wherever you're listening. But if you haven't already, we recommend you check us out and give us a listen on Anchor.
0: Anchor allows us to provide the best product to you. You can go support the Sports Hour and become a permanent part of the show, like my saint of a mother Sammy and my father David did. You can even leave us voice messages with your thoughts
1: and opinions that we can use on the show. Prove to us that you know better
0: than me and Mitch Mo. Moral of the story, people, be more like Sammy and David. Go find us at anchor.fm slash the Sports Hour, guys, and become a part of the conversation. What the hell are you waiting for? welcome back to the sports hour with Mitch Mollendale and I hope you had a good break there a little bit uh, a little bit of reprieve from hearing two idiots talk about sports uh yeah. non-stop um but guess what yeah, you got why, a- would, why, why would you turn on a sports podcast to listen to two idiots come on I mean what, you what, what were they expecting two smart guys? I mean come on one of them's name's Mitchbo. We're I mean, 122
1: on. episodes in at this point folks. You should know the drill.
0: <laughs> come on guys, come on. Get with the program. But we appreciate you listening and we're going to get back into the second half of this podcast which we're going to continue our little deal here uh that we started last week. We talked about AFC team needs. Um Maybe some positional needs that each team in the AFC needed, whether it was via free agency, draft, re-signings, any of those things. Let's carry this over to the NFC, and let's start with the NFC East. And let's start with um, what I'm sure Dallas fans would refer to as the gem of the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Look, the Cowboys... I know it's gross and they're no longer America's team and that's fine. They just have to accept that. Um, America's team is obviously the commanders,
1: right? I mean, we all love the name. We all love the rebrand. We've accepted it as a nation.
0: No, not the commies, (laughs) not the commies. Um, Actually, that's a good top five idea, Dallin. That's a good top five idea. Who truly is America's team right now? Oh, yeah, that
1: is I like okay. I like that. I'll make it you can make the case for America's team.
0: Um I'll I'll write that down later because I'm gonna get distracted. So <laughs> let's keep going. Um Dallas Cowboys. This is a team that uh started off red hot, fell apart a little bit down the stretch, uh got it back together into the playoffs a team that looked primed to make a Super Bowl and fell apart against the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers fans, I'm sure, going back late into the 80s and 90s, uh, those old-school Niners fans got a lot of satisfaction out of beating the Cowboys. Um, But there are some needs that they're going to have to look at. Linebacker, defensive line, offensive line, whatever it is, I'm going linebacker. And you have to look at the you have to look at the losses that they have at the linebacker position. Look, they have a good front four. The secondary is there. The defense actually played fairly well throughout the entirety of the year. Um, but they're outside of Micah Parsons, they're losing Leighton Vander Esch and Keanu Neal to free agency. They're they're going to hit free agency, and there's no guarantee that they re-sign them. So I'm going to put linebacker down there as they have to solidify the second level, whether that's reciting. Uh a Leighton Vander Esch, which I would be totally supportive of. This is a very solid middle linebacker. Um, or finding another edge guy that can come off as 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 a right or a left outside linebacker, uh basically a weak side guy because you want to put Micah Parsons on the strong side. Um, whoever's going to be there, they need to solidify the second level. So I'm I, I'm going linebacker with the Cowboys. Dallin, do you have a differing opinion? Yeah,
1: no, I mean, I think that's a good spot and really what it comes down to for me uh, with the Cowboys is they just have a, a lot of free age, a lot of big name free agents uh, that are going to be up. You mentioned the linebackers, but Demarcus Lawrence, uh, Michael Gallup, uh, Lael Collins, Tyron Smith. Uh, so they on the offense and the defense, they have a number of big players that they're either going to have to bring back or they're going to have to replace and what that looks like, who they bring back, who they replace is going to determine a lot of, you know, where the holes are when it comes to the NFL draft, sort of what they're targeting there. Um, I, look at, I look at wide receiver, Mitch. The reports are that they're going to cut Amari Cooper uh, to save somebody. Now, he hasn't been released yet, as far as I understand, so perhaps a trade could still be made if somebody was willing to throw some capital towards them. Uh, but with Michael Gallup, a free agent, Amari Cooper uh, reportedly on his way out. Uh, you have C.D. Lamb. They uh, put Dalton Schultz on the franchise tag, the tight end. So, you know, you've got two pass-catching weapons there for Dak Prescott. But clearly, there's gonna you're going to need to add at least one more there. So whether that is bringing Michael Gallup back or replacing him via the NFL draft or free agency, I do think adding a weapon on the outside is going to be important. And then I look at the offensive line. You know, uh, Leo Collins, Tyron Smith, like whether you bring those guys back or not, I, I think continuing to build on the offensive line is is the best practice when this team was at its best when that rookie year of Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott in 2016, 17, when they were 12 wins and right at the top. I mean, it was the most dominant offensive line in the NFL, so I don't think you could go wrong spending a first round draft pick on the offensive line. I don't think you could go wrong addressing that in, in free agency, and whether you know, it means just bringing those guys back or not, uh, those are sort of the two spots I'm thinking. The defense is solid, and as you mentioned, uh, you know, last offseason, that was our biggest question going into the season, right? We knew what the offense was going to be. How would the defense respond? And the defense was really pretty good last year. Uh, you know, maintaining that and also replacing the what players you're going to lose is going to be the biggest thing for Dallas. They're, they were 12 and five last year, right? They have Dak Prescott. Uh, they have young players. Micah Parsons, a star. CeeDee Lamb's going to be a star. Like they have the pieces in place to contend. It's marginal things here, right? Replacing certain players, improving marginally at certain positions uh, and just ultimately like being better in the playoffs. That's what it'll come down to. Cause they should be able to get back there again next year.
0: Yeah. I haven't won a playoff game since like 1995. So this is a quite a gross. long stretch for the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Dallin moving on to the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I'm going to stay in the same. I'm going to stay kind of stay in the same vein that you had with the Dallas Cowboys building around Jalen hurts. Um We, we, we look at what they has around them. I say, I think they need to really get a wide receiver in free agency, but I think even more so they need to get the secondary bolstered up. They were terrible against the pass. You look at some of the guys that they brought back safeties, like Anthony Harris and Rodney McLeod are going to be hitting free agency. Um, they still have an, an off ball linebacker like Alex Singleton and the quarterback like Steven Nelson, um, But they need to solidify the pass defense because it's a passing league. And if you can't stop the pass, then you're just going to get absolutely torn up. And that's exactly what happened last year. So I think the Eagles, with three first-round picks, by the way, they should – three in the top 20, nonetheless. They need to be able to add a quarterback somewhere in those three top 20 picks to to help build the future for that secondary. So if I have to pick a a direction that the Eagles need to go – um, a, a free agency wide receiver would be awesome, but the primary goal should be getting one of those good young corners out of the draft in that when with one of those top 20 picks.
1: Yeah, I like that, Mitch. And they added Darius Slay in free agency a couple years ago, which gives you a great corner on one side, but adding a compliment to that is going to be huge. Which one of those first? Uh, which one of those first round picks? I had them selecting Ahmad Sask Gardner at number fifteen in my mock draft. Which, uh, if he's there at fifteen, would be a a, a fantastic value. Whether it's him, Trent McDuffie, uh, by chance Derek Stingley falls to you. Uh, I mean, I don't think they could go wrong spending one of those picks uh, at the cornerback position. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as you said, this is about building around Jalen Hurts. They seem committed to Hertz as the quarterback of the future, right? He led them to a nine and eight record last year, a playoff berth. And that was an important step for this team. And they were rumored to potentially be in on Russell Wilson. They are rumored to be one of the few destinations potentially for Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson is able to play and uh, he will. uh, In fact, his case is going before a grand jury this Friday, Uh, So in the next couple of weeks, we may learn even more about his potential to even play moving forward or how his case progresses. Uh, So they could maybe still make a move, but I would say it seems like they're committed uh, to Jalen Hurts. So yes, wide receiver, a veteran wide receiver in free agency is kind of my big move. They they drafted Devontae Smith. They moved up to get Devontae Smith last year, which I think was the right move. Uh, but we just mentioned this player with the Cowboys, Amari Cooper, who could be on the move. That is like the perfect kind of guy to go get if you're the Eagles. And there's not a lot of great wide receiver free agents. There could have been, right? But Mike Williams, Chris Godwin, Devontae Adams all got tagged and or signed extensions, So they're staying with their teams. So you're looking at Allen Robinson, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh you know, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, right? Like that's kind of as good as it gets. There's some like mid-tier guys, but none of those are really making a difference. So whoever it is, whoever that number one wide receiver is, you got to go get him. You got to add pass catchers to this offense with Jalen Hurts. Uh, they have a a great tight end to Dallas Goddard. They're set there. They have Devontae Smith. They have a great run game, uh, but adding another wide receiver there and then spending... All of your first round picks on defensive players, like secondary defensive line linebacker, just hit them with those first three picks uh, and solidify the future of your defense, and you'll be in a good spot, right? This was a team that made the playoffs last year that should expect to compete for another wild card spot and could be building uh, for a very successful future.
0: Where we look at the Eagles, where they're looking to build around Jalen Hurts. And their quarterback over there in Philadelphia, Uh, we have a new situation over there in Washington, where Washington brings in a brand new quarterback, Carson Wentz, as we just talked about earlier, Uh, earlier today on March 9th, getting brought in to be the new commander's quarterback Um, down weird spot for Washington, because on paper, the defense looks fantastic. They have a solid offensive line. The wide receiver core uh, outside of Terry McLaurin is a little bit questionable. Um, Antonio Gibson is just a fine running back, a, a good running back. That, not one of the great ones, but a good one. Yeah. It's still young. Still so has a lot you know, a lot still to young, go. A lot to go. I think that the Washington football team is in the situation where they need to give Carson Wentz the best situation possible. And I think that, starts with adding a big name wide receiver. Um we look at guys like Terry McLaurin, um, a fantastic um a a, a fantastic uh, a wide receiver with a with a ton of talent. I really like Logan Thomas. Um but if you can find that good outside number two guy to bring in uh to compliment Antonio Gibson um maybe keep the defense on the field just a little bit longer. So your offense isn't getting winded. Um, This is a team that could get pretty dangerous, pretty quick. And I, I I already planted my flag in with Carson Wentz that this is another rebirth that I'm sticking with it. They need to build around Carson Wentz to give him the pot, the best possible situation Um, because he may be one of those guys. Yeah. What do you do that with?
1: Yeah, and when you trade for a guy like they did and you give up two third-round picks and clearly Tyler Heineke and Ryan Fitzpatrick, who didn't really play at all for them last year, like that wasn't going to be the future. They needed to get somebody else in there, and they've, uh, you know, to an extent committed to Carson Wentz. They're paying his full contract next year, and they gave up two third-round picks for him, so they are committed to Carson Wentz. So, yes, it is... Give Wentz the best situation that you can. And I 100% agree with you bringing in another outside threat there. Uh, Allen Robinson and Juju Smith-Schuster are my two favorite fits there. I think they complement Terry McLaurin well in that offense. And, you know, I think building along the offensive line there, Brandon Scherf is a free agent. Uh, He could leave. And so, uh, you know, solidifying your offensive line will help. Carson Wentz will help this run game. And I would even say the defense, you know, the uh the defensive line is extremely solid. We know that that's pretty good, but everywhere else could use upgrades, right? I think adding more in the secondary, another corner could help them as well. But uh really it is just about maximizing you've committed to Wentz, you've traded for him. If you're gonna if he's gonna try to be your guy, you gotta put the best situation around him this year, uh, to see the full potential and really see if he can be what you think he can. And so we'll see what they do in free agency and how they tackle it. But an offensive an outside threat, I'm hundred percent there with you. I'd also say offensive line, continue to improve that. Yeah. You can't, you can never hurt to continue to throw resources at the O-line in my opinion.
0: No, you can't. And, and what a, what a rebirth it would be for the, for the Washington commanders to go back to the hogs, the, the, you know, the, the old school Washington, I guess we can't say the old team name now cause we might get canceled, but you know, well, but the, the hogs of the old Redskin days, um, yeah, build that great offensive line from the early nineties. That might be a, a good route to go as well. Um, Dallin, speaking of quarterbacks, let's go to New York, the giants, new head coach, Brian Dable, uh, coming in, uh, fresh off his fantastic run that he had in Buffalo as the OC. Um, Lots of ways that the that the New York Giants can go. Lots of direction that this guy that this team can go. And I gotta say that probably my my best direction, I think it can go is can Brian Dable fix Daniel Jones? We saw him do it with Josh Allen over there in Buffalo. It really turned him into an elite-level quarterback. Can he take Daniel Jones, who is the furthest thing from elite as far as starting quarterbacks go and turn him into at least competent. Uh, He's shown a track record of of being able to do that, but is, is Daniel Jones a fixable asset? And that that's kind of the thing that I really think that they need to find out for the giants uh, going into the 2022 season.
1: Yeah. That's the biggest question. Right. Uh, And that's, that's what you got to figure out this year is Daniel Jones the guy? Is he can you make him the guy? Is Brian can Dan, Brian Dable uh you know elevate him as you mentioned the way that he did to Josh Allen or can you learn this year? Hey, he's not it, right? Uh I think they have two top 10 picks, Mitch. And I had them in my mock draft selecting Malik Willis at number 7 with that second round pick. I I think it'd be very wise to use one of those picks on a quarterback if they're not sold on Daniel Jones. But if you want to try to get the most out of Daniel Jones this year, then that's fine. But like, you've got to just answer that question at the quarterback position. Cause until you figure that out there, you know, there's no direction in this rebuild, right? Uh, this is a team that has bloated contracts. Doesn't really have cap space to use and doesn't really have foundational pieces to build around. like, pretty much anywhere on the roster, right? I mean, maybe Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, has definitely emerged on the last couple of years. Uh, but other than that, like, are, is there really a player on this roster that you're really feeling like that? Yes, that's the guy that we can, you know, build our team around moving forward. That's got to be the key. And with those two top 10 picks, that number five and the, the seventh pick that they got from the Bears, that is what the Giants need to do foundational pieces in those top 10 picks. They have to nail those picks because if you're not nailing those picks and you're not securing guys, whether it's on defense or offense that are going to be foundational pieces for you moving forward, this is an unsuccessful off season. So to me, that's the biggest thing. The ultimate question is the quarterback position in Daniel Jones, but whether they address quarterback this draft or next, or even in free agency, you've got to nail those two top 10 picks and you've got to get foundational pieces uh, where, you know, no matter where you're, where you're addressing position
0: wise. Yeah, a hundred percent. I, I completely agree with you. Um, that wraps up the NFC East. Let's jump into the NFC North down uh, my home territory, but we're going to start with uh, the team. I hate the most uh, the green Bay Packers. Just a big signing with just had a big signing with uh, Aaron Rodgers, the four year 200 million reportedly that he got. Um, the gripe for Aaron Rodgers this whole time has been they haven't given him enough to work with. I think that if the Packers really want to commit to Aaron Rodgers for these next four years, they need to do a multitude of things ultimately to get to this spot, which is a clear addition. That they need to get. I don't know how they're going to get there, but they need to find a way to get Amari Cooper in a Packer uniform. I love it. They need to, they are $49 million over the cap space, but damn it, you need to figure out a way to get Aaron Rodgers everything he needs to go make a Super Bowl run. And if they don't go get Amari Cooper, or at least make an attempt to get Amari Cooper, I'll be shocked. I hate to say it as a Bears fan because that just means that Aaron Rodgers is truly going to own the Bears for another four more years at the minimum. But I, I don't see another move that the Packers can make that would make more sense. Find a way to clear some cap space and get Amari Cooper. That's what makes most sense to me.
1: Yeah, I love the Mark Cooper fit, and I'm sort of right on the long lines uh, with you here. Now that Rodgers is staying, Devontae Adams is staying, he's on the franchise tag. Uh, The Packers must, must, it is imperative, it is essential that they push the chips all the way in. The way that the Rams have done, the way that the Chiefs have done in large part, the way that we've seen successful teams Push the chips in. When you know you've got it, you've got to go all the way in. And that has, that, I mean, that's been the reason why Rodgers has been hesitant about sticking around, right? Is their willingness to really build the team around him, right? They're drafting his his successor in the first round. And Jordan Love, they're spending second round picks on backup running backs. They're drafting fullbacks in the third round. Like, they're not, they have not used their assets, whether it be through the draft or free agency, well enough to really build around Aaron Rodgers. And they've expected him to elevate the team instead of elevating what's around him. So if this is going to work and you're committed to Rodgers and you're paying him this massive contract and you're saying it's going to be different this time, you have to go all in no matter what it takes. Like you said, the cap number doesn't matter. Pay, pay, pay like, figure out the money. The Rams do it, right? The Rams figure out the money. I mean, the Saints are like minus 70 in the cap space. They figured out the money to go all in while they had breeze. They saw the window, they did whatever it took. That has to be the answer in Green Bay. So, yes. Amari Cooper, great. Trade trading future draft capital for wide receivers that we're not even thinking of, that we don't even think are available, you know? That, that might be like what about Michael Thomas with the Saints? If the Saints are looking for a rebuild and Michael Thomas don't want to be there in New Orleans, if he's available, can you get him? Like who else is disgruntled around the league that you could go trade a future first round or a future second round pick to go get? Whatever it takes, you have Rodgers. You have to go to the Super Bowl this year. It's an absolute failure if he bring him back and they fail to even make a Super Bowl they're, this they're,
0: year. They don't have another option. They don't have another option they have to improve there and um yeah you're absolutely right the money the money right now doesn't matter figure out how to get them there and 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 make the absolute run that you have to so moving on from the packers let's move on to the vikings um tellin i gotta be honest man do whatever it doesn't matter what this team's going to do. I, I, Kirk Cousins might be the guy. He might not be the guy, but it doesn't matter if you can't put anything around him. Justin Jefferson is a pro bowler, uh, a fantastic talent. Dalvin Cook is great. Um, but there are so many holes, but not a glaring hole that I just, it, I, I feel like you no know, more that no matter what this team does, they're going to wind up nine and eight, eight and nine. They're going to be like dead center, middle of the league. And it, I don't think it really matters what this team does. Just start somewhere and, and try to build from there because you have good foundational pieces, but I feel like they've done such a terrible job at reining in talent around them that they just, they haven't done anything. So for me, it's, I, it doesn't matter what you do, just do something. Cause they've been quiet over the last few years Just do something.
1: Yeah, the Vikings are in such an interesting spot, right? The defense has uh, aged poorly, right? And when they were really Super Bowl contenders a few years ago with Case Keenum, it was on the back of that defense, right, being so strong. But the defense has aged, uh, and it has not improved, and they have not been good on that side of the ball. And you mentioned some of the uh, key pieces on offense that are absolutely winning pieces, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, right? Those are winning pieces. Um, to me, this is about the future of Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, right? They have a new head coach and Kevin O'Connell who comes from the Rams and listen, he's, he, he knows more than anyone, what a true winning quarterback looks like and what it doesn't look like, right? It didn't look like Jared Goff. It did look like Matt Stafford. Does Kevin O'Connell believe Kirk Cousins is more Matt Stafford or is he more Jared Goff at this point? And what does that mean for the future of the Minnesota Vikings? If I were Minnesota, Mitch, and I know this is not easy, and the money, you might even take a big cap hit if you do it. I don't know how it all works. But they got to move on from Cousins. They got to do it now. Because mm-hmm. the dominoes are falling. Rogers is staying in Green Bay. Russ is off to Denver. Pittsburgh has a question at quarterback. New Orleans has a question at quarterback. Indianapolis has a question at quarterback. There are a lot of teams out there in the NFL who could be feeling like they need to make an improvement at the quarterback position. And they missed out on the tier A guys. So who's, who's next? Who else could we get? Well, if I'm Minnesota, I'd be, I'd be throwing him out there to anybody. But Kirk Cousins? I mean, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, do you believe Kirk Cousins on your roster could make you a winner? say new Orleans do you believe Kirk Cousins make you make you a winner Indianapolis I would be shopping Kirk Cousins and I move on from him now because I don't believe he's the future of this team and I believe they continue to stick with him then you're right they're going to be eight wins nine wins maybe they'll make a playoff every couple years they're not going to go anywhere and they're going to be wasting this opportunity to truly reset this thing and rebuild around the young offensive pieces that they have so for me, this is about the future of cousins, but in my opinion, they need to strike while the iron is hot and take advantage of teams that may be desperate at this point to make a significant upgrade at the quarterback position, knowing that the better options are already off the table.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with the move, but this would also be a move in the direction in my mind of a rebuild for the Minnesota Vikings yeah. um, if they get rid of the Oh, 100%. Ten- Uh, If they get rid of the big contract at Kirk Cousins. Um, So I don't hate the move at all that that you just proposed. Uh, Moving on to my Bears, the Bears. A lot of holes in this team. A lot of holes in this team. And I'll be the first one to admit that we have a lot of holes in the Chicago Bears. Um, But there's one glaring thing for me that I think we need to do. And that is not just build a team around around Justin Fields, but build the offensive line to protect him. He was on a run a ton. And you know he has the legs to do it. Like, he has plenty of leg talent. He could create plays. He is a good scrambling quarterback. Um, He is mobile within the pocket and outside of the pocket. Um, But the offensive line needs to be solidified. Now, they're not going to have a pick until – pick number 34 in this year's NFL draft. So they need to do that during free agency, I think is where the real work is going to get done. Um, You look at guys like Brandon Scherf, who might be up for grabs. Um, You you know, you look at guys uh, like Dwayne Brown, who might be up for grabs. Um, That could be uh, valuable pieces to that Chicago no Dwayne Brown is old and, you know, he might be on a one-year deal, but he's still a valuable offensive lineman that you could add to that, uh, to that core to protect, uh, Justin Fields. Um, and with that late, with that early second round pick, you need to go build the wide receiver core. You need to find something to complement Darnell Mooney, uh, looks like Allen Robinson is not going to be back in Chicago after, you know, before the end before the beginning of this year. So um, I think this all starts with building the O-line around Justin Fields. So. Yeah,
1: I- I'm right there with you, Mitch. And I think the bears need to be targeting the best offensive lineman and free agency they can get, whether it is Brandon Scherf at the guard position, whether it's Teron Armstead at the tackle position, who's coming from the Saints, who is a top tier guy. And you have to, you're going to have to pay, a lot of money to get a guy like that. Ryan Jensen from the Buccaneers. That's another guy you have to secure one of those top tier uh, free agency offensive linemen, in my opinion, if you're the Chicago bears, right? They, they spent a second round pick last year on, on Tevin Jenkins, the tackle out of Oklahoma state who still has potential Will be in a second year, but continuing to invest along the offensive line. If you're the bears is huge and yes, adding a pass catcher and, uh, we've mentioned him a few times already, but Amari Cooper, like take a shot on that guy. You know, even Michael Gallup as maybe a tier two guy or a Juju Smith Schuster uh, would absolutely help this offense and help your young quarterback. And Darnell Mooney, he's going to be a solid wide receiver too, maybe for you, right? He's a smaller guy, maybe a slot you know, more of a slot guy, but uh, you need to have a better outside threat and maybe a more possession type receiver there. Uh, to help Justin Fields. So those are definitely the two spots uh, in my mind, especially the offensive line. I mean, you've got to protect your young quarterbacks. Uh, we see young quarterbacks suffer from poor protection uh, and it stunts their growth and it causes bad habits and it can ruin careers. So investing on the offensive line, absolutely huge for Chicago.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Especially for a young uh, rookie quarterback that had you know a, a rough rookie year looking to have uh a bounce back in his second year definitely imperative that you build around him um in the offensive line and give him the weapons that he needs uh to uh to have at his disposal down uh to wrap up the nfc north the lions look this team stinks this team just stinks uh start wherever the hell you want so just start wherever the hell you want i would recommend running back i think deAndre swift is is gonna be just fine Jared Goff is not the answer. Jared Goff stinks. The wide receiver core outside of Amon Ross St. Brown doesn't show any promise. The defense stinks. The offensive line stinks. The coaching staff stinks. Start anywhere, anywhere that you want. And I think you'll be just fine. So that's where I'm at with the Lions. That's where I'm at with the Lions. Well, I disagree in one
1: point. The offensive line does not stink. The offensive line is the only redeemable quality about this team. They have a pretty solid offensive line, and they have invested, including last year with that top pick in Penny Sewell, on the offensive line. So, like, if there's one spot, let's say, with that number two overall pick that you're not going to go, it's likely addressing the offensive line in the tackle position. But basically everything else, as you said, is, is up for grabs. And listen, if you're the Lions, you're building towards 2023, right? The idea of taking your quarterback at that point probably more likely now I will say you listen to a lot of people that were in Indianapolis for the NFL combine there is growing uh noise around the NFL that Malik Willis at that number two position is not out of the question not out of the question that the Lions would take a shot on Malik Willis with the number two pick so we'll see if they do And maybe that's how they address quarterback of the future there at number two. And you're sitting behind Goff, and you're hoping to develop that guy, or maybe they go another direction. I'm sure if Aiden Hutchinson falls in their lap, there, at number two, it'd be really hard to pass up being a local Michigan player. uh, It'd be extremely hard to pass up, but yeah, I mean, this is about adding foundational pieces that you got one last year in Penesul on the offensive line. If you can add along the defensive line, great. If you're adding in the secondary whether it's Kyle Hamilton or one of the top corners. Great. I don't think you could go wrong in any of those spots. They just need players uh, and you need to be looking towards the future at that quarterback position, whether it is taking a shot on Willis this year at number two, perhaps, or it's setting yourselves up to get a top guy in the 2023 draft.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. Um, Let's move on to the NFC South. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, defending champs of that division, uh, they lose Tom Brady. Tom Brady's gone, calling it a career. No quarterback now. You're looking at Kyle Trask, bus Bucks fans. Bl- no, Blaine Gabbert. Let's put some respect on his name. No, let's let's not put <laughs> let's not put respect on Blaine Gabberts name let's not do that
1: you don't think you can lead them to the playoffs next year Mitch come on
0: absolutely not now they did <laughs> just have the uh franchise tagging of Chris Godwin so Chris Godwin will be back to the Buccaneers so they still have their big two in in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin but no one to throw them a football and down that's where we start with the Bucks. they got to figure out the future of the quarterback position um Jimmy Garoppolo has been le- linked to the Buccaneers situation, um, there have been it, they missed out on the big two, right? They missed out on Rogers. They missed out on Wilson. So now you have to figure something else out. Um, Wentz was another one that was linked to to Tampa Bay. He's no longer in the situation, you know, no longer in the conversation. So you have to figure something else out because Blaine Gabbert and Kyle Trask. Neither one of them are the answer to 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 Tampa Bay's quarterback was that they're going to be facing. So um, they have to figure something else out, something out for uh, whoever's going to be playing under center.
1: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I mean, that's that's the question, right? What are you what are you doing now? In, in my opinion, it feels like the Bucks believe that their window is still here. Uh, And that is what makes them so curious right now. Are they going to go for a veteran quarterback they feel like they could win now with? Like you mentioned, Jimmy Garoppolo. uh, You know, I brought up Kirk Cousins. Uh, Is Derek Carr available from the Las Vegas Raiders, right? Like who, what sort of veteran could you bring in with more or less the roster you have now and still feel like you can compete? Because listen, this division is wide freaking open. Somebody oh, yeah. I'm calling it now, Mitch, the winner of this division next year is going to win nine or less games. Nobody's winning double digit games in this division next year. Somebody could win it with a below 500 record. And I would not be I surprised. Mean, this is wide does, open. So that,
0: that it, sounds pretty
1: much on par for the NFC South though. It, yeah. The, the Panthers won it a few years ago. at seven, eight and one. So, you know, if you're the bucks, like you have a window where you could be a playoff team, you can win your division. You can give yourself a shot. Now, they are losing, uh, and they could potentially lose quite a few free agents. Right along the offensive line, Ryan Jensen is going to be a free agent. Alex Kappa is retired; he's gone. So you, there's, there's two offensive starters right there. All of your running backs: Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, Le'Veon Bell. All those guys are gone. And Dominic and Sue, Jason Pierre-Paul, free agents. Rob Gronkowski, free agent. O.J. Howard, free agent. Carlton Davis, free agent. There are a lot of guys who could be gone. And so, you know, maybe you're not bringing the entire roster back. But how are you maximizing this window now? Re- keeping Godwin on the tag makes me believe, indicates to me that the Bucks are sort of keeping this window open for now. So what's the move at quarterback to satisfy that window, to keep that window alive? That's the biggest question for me uh, with the Bucks moving forward. And again, this division can be had. If you bring in Jimmy Garoppolo, you can win nine or ten games and win this division easy.
0: Yeah, I like it. I like it. But like I said, wide open. There's a lot of question marks um uh, for the for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers post Tom Brady. Um moving on to a team with another quarter with a, another big quarterback question. The New or- the New Orleans Saints. Um Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston. It was a huge question mark. Uh, who's the guy in New Orleans post Drew Brees? Uh no longer is there Sean Payton either. Dennis Allen taking over the the lead role in New Orleans. Um this starts at drafting a quarterback. Down, this starts at drafting a quarterback. Uh they're going to have a mid-round pick. There's going to be a couple quarterbacks available in that mid-first round. Um I think this really starts with drafting a quarterback for New Orleans and them having to be okay with kind of sucking for a couple years because they're going to have to groom this guy for him to be Uh, capable now they could easily go in another direction and go with Jameis Winston they could easily do that I just don't think Jameis Winston is the answer in New Orleans and I think that if even if even if the guy plays behind Jameis Winston for a year and is and is a a backup in a backup role the Saints need to go ahead and get a quarterback in this draft mid first round Um, and even if they need to trade up to do it um, I think this is this it's imperative for them to do that for them to keep uh, any sort of competitiveness moving forward
1: yeah I think the Saints are in a prime position with that 18th spot to take a quarterback in this draft that's I think that's a a sweet spot if you will you're not too high that you're reaching on a guy but at 18, you could feel comfortable with probably a number of prospects, depending on uh, who's there at, on the board. And the thing with the saints is that they don't have the money to bring in a veteran quarterback, right? Like they don't have the money to trade for a Derek car or to trade for a Jimmy Garoppolo. Like they can't afford it. Uh, they already don't have a lot of money and they may have a roster that is more or less set up to win. Now their defense is very good. And they're going to lose a couple guys at free agency, but not a ton. They can more or less bring back that defense on an offense. You've got Alvin Kamara. You've got Michael Thomas. You've got a great offensive line. Even if you lose to Ron Armstead, like there are pieces here, but yes, you have to draft the quarterback of the future. Cause you, you just can't afford to find one anywhere else. And you know, whether it is, you signing Jameis on a short-term deal to be your starter next year ahead of this guy, uh, you still have Taysom Hill on a very team-friendly contract. Uh, so if it's Taysom Hill and a rookie next year, like, it is what it is. This is this is the bed that you've laid for yourself when you push the chips all in with Sean Payton and Drew Brees. And, and as they should have, right? As you should have maximized that window at that time. But now it is time to reset and starting with that quarterback position is imperative. So yeah, I mean I had them taking Matt Corral in my mock draft there at number 18. I love that fit in new Orleans with him. And he's a guy who I do believe should probably sit for most of that first year. He comes from a very RPO heavy offense and Ole miss, not necessarily an NFL type, uh, offense that he's going to be very familiar with. So it will be a transition, uh, so to bring Jameis or Taysom or even somebody else in to, to to start and bring this rookie along a little slowly, I think that's the right move for New Orleans.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Definitely get a quarterback for the future, that's for sure. Um, the Atlanta Falcons, tough spot they're in now. Losing Calvin Ridley for the year. No more Julio Jones. They've been without him for a year. Run game is a huge question mark, even with Cordell Patterson, but Cordell Patterson hitting free agency this year. Matt Ryan is 38. They don't have a good defense. They've never done a good job of building this team down. They've, ne- they've hit the occasional good wide receiver. They have Kyle Pitts, who I think is going to be a-, a good tight end somewhere down the road. But they have not build- built a good team at all. Throughout the Arthur Blank tenure. Arthur Blank needs to sell the team. That's the change that I'm going with.
1: (laughs) I love it. It's all gone downhill since 28 to three. I mean, it has,
0: right? I mean, seriously, it really has. (laughs) Like it has been nothing but a pure and utter collapse since 28 to three. Since the third quarter of the Super Bowl, the Falcons have gone Nothing but downhill. And it is time for them to get a new front office, new ownership. Arthur Blank needs to reconsider a career path in his in his mogulism, if that's even a name, of being a, you know, a business owner. He needs to find something else to do other than professional football because it's – seriously, it's it's just, not, it's just flat out not working anymore. Sell the team, get a new front office, get new leadership. That's what the Atlanta Falcons need. I love
1: that, Mitch. Uh, (laughs) I I love uh, selling, find a new owner. I'm I'm sure Falcons fans will probably agree with you there. Uh, I, you know, here's how I look at this, Mitch. Uh, The Falcons need to prepare for life without Matt Ryan. And the thing is, is they can't do that right now, right? Matt Ryan's cap hit in 2022 is $48 million. His dead cap hit would be $40 million. So they cannot afford to move on from Matt Ryan now. They're they're stuck having him as their as their starter, or at least having him on the roster in 2022. But next season, Mitch, next offseason is when you could feasibly move on from Matt Ryan. He has a cap hit of 43 million in 2023, but a dead cap hit of only 15 million dollars. If you move on from him. Before the start of the league in 2023, uh, next March, you'd only take that 15 million dollar cap hit on. Uh, he's 37 years old. He's only got two years left 22, 23. He'd be an eight a- free agent in 2024 if you did hold on to him. But next season, it, next year is the time when you can move on from Matt Ryan and sort of address quarterback. So in the meantime. You got to find pieces to build around, right? You got one last year in Kyle Pitts, a great pick. I, he's a great tight end right now, and he's going to be one of the best tight ends in the league for the next decade. But you need to find foundational pieces on defense, and that's where it comes down to me. With that, with that number eight pick in the NFL draft, you have to address defense. And it really doesn't matter what position on defense they could use everything, right? Best player available, best best defensive player available at number eight, whoever falls to you, let's say it's Kayvon Thibodeau, right? Who sort of slipped in this process, right? I mean, that'd be a freaking steal. What if it's Derek Stingley at number eight or Kyle Hamilton at number Kyle eight, Hamilton, all those guys yeah. are going to have a, a very good shot of being there potentially with that number eight pick, take one of those guys Get a foundational piece and look forward to next year when you can eat the fifteen mil. Move on from Matt Ryan and address quarterback maybe next year in the draft, depending on where you're at or uh, moving forward. But you have to prepare for life without Matt Ryan and get a foundational piece on defense in the draft.
0: 100% agree. 100% agree. Outside of the outside of the ownership, I guess uh, I, I I absolutely agree. You have to prepare for for getting rid or moving on from a 38 year old Matt Ryan, uh, coming next year, uh, down moving on to your boys, the Carolina Panthers. Lots of directions they could go as well. We've had quarterback issues over the last couple of years, uh, them trying to figure out who's the next guy after Cam Newton. It's been two years. They still haven't figured it out. We don't know who that is. Um, I think this starts a very clear choice though. And I think it starts with a rebuild. I think the Carolina Panthers are primed for a rebuild and you can offer your thoughts after this, but they, they need to trade Christian McCaffrey. They need to find a way to offload that money, get a draft pick in addition to Christian McCaffrey. I don't, I know they said that they want a first in addition to that. um, But that's not what I think they're going to get, or they want a first and a player with you know with sending off Christian McCaffrey. I I don't know if they're going to get that, but they need to move off of that money. They need to find a way to just have a clean reset, a clean rebuild, um and I think that starts with moving on from Christian McCaffrey.
1: Yeah, I you know listen, I I hate I love McCaffrey, and I was very wrong about when they drafted him in that, in that draft, I wanted Leonard Fournette. I wasn't a big fan of McCaffrey uh, and I was absolutely wrong, but listen, he hasn't stayed healthy and he makes $20 million a year at, in, in and in a, at a position that's not helping this team right now, right? If you have a shitty quarterback, well then Christian McCaffrey isn't really helping very much, right? He's not making the kind of impact that he would, if you had a good quarterback who would take advantage of that type of weapon and if you can get back a top 100 pick of which they only have one they have their first round pick and they don't draft until like the fourth round they've traded everything away they traded their second array for sam darnold they traded the third away for cj henderson they traded their fourth away for sam darnold they have somebody else's fourth round pick that is their only pick after number six so right now the panthers are in acquire more draft pick mode and if that if that's what it takes, then, yeah, I'm 100% with it, Mitch. And, yes, the, the, the reportedly uh, this last week during the combine, it came out that the Panthers are taking offers on McCaffrey, that they would like a first and another pick. I don't think they're going to even get a first, but if you get a second-round pick for Christian McCaffrey, which, hey, there's a lot of teams out there, that that would absolutely be worthwhile. That would absolutely be worthwhile to throw a second-round pick, a top-50 pick at Christian McCaffrey uh, and make that move. Yes, I think you have to do that if you're the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Mitch, you say they need a rebuild. They're in a rebuild. They're in one. They have been in one for years. Uh, The problem is, is it's not working. They're not building anything. They they, they have back-to-back five-win seasons. So they're rebuilding, but they're not going anywhere. (laughs) They're just laying the foundation still. And that is ultimately the issue with this team. I, I believe that the roster is set up the way that it is now, that in a year or two, this could be a playoff competitive team, a playoff team. If the quarterback question is answered, and ultimately, that is everything for this team. Yes, they need offensive line help. Yes, they should be spending free agent capital and likely draft capital on the offensive line, 100% whether no matter who's coming back at quarterback, whether it's Sam Darnold next year or anybody offensive line has to be the question. And that has to be the move in many places this offseason. But ultimately the question is what's the plan at quarterback. Sam Darnold is not the plan. We learned that. All right. It is what it is. I, I didn't hate the move last year. I wasn't the biggest fan of it, but I didn't hate taking a shot on Sam Darnold, but it didn't work out. So be like the Colts and move on and, and recognize, Hey, it didn't work with Wentz. We got to move on, right? We're not going to just kind of keep trying to make this thing work. It didn't work with Sam Darnold. Move on. I don't, I, I don't love taking a quarterback in this draft at number six, unless it's Malik Willis. And even then I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know. Cause like put him behind a shitty offensive line. He's going to be ass. Like it's not going to be any better they're they're in such a bad spot Mitch it is so disheartening uh but yeah I mean they just they need to have a plan for quarterback they need to improve the offensive line and honestly honestly Mitch I'm not even worried about quarterback this year I'm not Sam Sam Darnold bring uh, Sam Darnold could be the starter next year bring in Mitchell Trubisky Marcus Mariota some other guy to be there I don't care I don't care. That's fine. That's fine. But improve the offensive line this year, continue to build the youth on the defense and get it even better. And when you are ready as a roster next year, you can fully address quarterback position. And maybe it is trading for a veteran, or maybe it is moving up in the draft to take one of those top guys next year. Uh, But they've got to have a plan for the future quarterback. And that's been the most apparent thing with this new regime is there's not been a plan. I mean they brought in Teddy and then they traded him. Then they brought in Sam Darnold and then they brought in Cam Newton and then they brought you know it's like it's never been a plan. It's just been do something. Uh there needs to be a clear plan for what the quarterback position is gonna look like moving forward.
0: Yeah, I mean if you guys bring in Marcus Mariota, that's a big upgrade, I think, in my 100%. mind. But but um yeah, the Panthers need to do something in the quarterback position that's absolutely uh factual, absolutely true. Uh they need to get that done for sure. Um down last division of the NFC. Let's get into the NFC West. uh, The highly competitive NFC West. Let's start with the Cincinnati or Cincinnati. Oh my god. Uh, They just beat the Cincinnati Bengals. The Los Angeles Rams. Look, you gotta run it back. You gotta run it back with the Rams. I think you have to pick your spots, though. Have to pick your spots moving forward. I saw the Jalen Ramsey's tweet was talking about. Oh, you, you tweet, you know, give us what they should be offering Von Miller and OBJ to keep it there. Keep them there and run it back. We got to get this thing done. Uh, look, here's the deal. Von Miller is aging. He's old for a football player. Not 33. Old. Yeah. Yep. Old, old for his position. Okay. He's not, he's not the dominant player that he once was, but he's a great piece to have, I guess. OBJ will be coming off an ACL injury. I think that you need to be really careful about who you bring back to try to run it back for Los Angeles in 2022. Um, I think that moving on from OBJ is not a bad decision. I think that they need to really play this really carefully moving forward. And I would advise against bringing those two back. If you want another shot at a Super Bowl run um, and having them be a significant part of the game plan, just because of Von Miller's, like you said, he's 33, um, and, and OBJ is coming off the ACL injury, that that just screams to me. No, I don't want to commit to those guys for another two years, minimum, probably. And I, it, that's not going to get it done to running back. So pick your spots if you want to run it back. Los Angeles
1: yeah I don't think it's just not bring these guys back it's bring them back at the right price right like OBJ was always a luxury when they brought him in from Cleveland he was a luxury right they had Cooper Cup they had a healthy Robert Woods they had Van Jefferson they spent a second round pick on Tutu Atwell last year wide receiver like they didn't they didn't need a wide receiver but when a guy that talented becomes available, uh, and you're pushing for a Super Bowl, you make that move, right? So that's that's fine. But if he wants to come back, yeah, I mean, it has to be at the right My price. G- a 30 year old OBJ coming off that injury is not going to be worth a big time long term contract, right? So if he wants to come back on a team friendly deal because he likes it in LA, then great. If Von Miller wants to come back on a on a reasonable deal. Then I think that's fine, but it's, it's, it's gotta be right. And, and yes, the Rams need to run it back.
0: But you're not, but you're not even going to get a healthy OBJ. He's coming off an ACL the the deal doesn't even make sense to offer a guy with an ACL injury.
1: I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, it's not like he's never going to play
0: again, Mitch. He he will play.
1: No, you know? but are, are and he's only thirty him? years old. But like again, it but, depends uh, so, on the money. I don't know what the contract is going to be. So, I don't know uh, what so, OBJ is asking for.
0: Okay, so let's say he doesn't play in twenty twenty
1: two. He will play. play next year. He's not going to miss the whole season, Mitch.
0: Okay. Well I mean, we just
1: saw we just saw uh, their their running back Cam Akers have that horrible injury in training camp, and he was playing in the No, playoffs. but that
0: was very that was very different, though. That was a unique. Achilles injury that was unique. people
1: don't miss year long for those kind of injuries anymore they just don't and so yes like I mean he might not be back for week one but like again I don't know what the number he's he's looking for I don't know what the market is going to be for OBJ I don't know what the market's going to be for OBJ I don't know what the price he's going to want I don't know what kind of teams are bidding for maybe nobody wants him and LA's like the only spy and it's one year three million of course of course you take him back why would you not that's not moving the needle one way or the other. That's not ruining your Super Bowl chances by signing that guy to that sort of contract. Again, it's going to be about if it's right. And the Rams are in a good spot. They're not really losing that many guys to free agency, right? You've got a couple starters on the O line Brian Allen. Um, sorry, I lost the other guy. We're, um, oh, yeah. Brian Allen, Austin Corbett, uh, guard and center, respectively. Those guys are unrestricted free agents. So. You either got to re-sign those or replace those guys. Darius Williams at cornerback, uh, Sony Michelle, and other than that, like, that's about it, right? Everybody else is already under contract coming back besides Miller and OBJ, so if you're the Rams, you you know, you don't have a lot of guys you really have to go out there and get. Uh, You don't have draft picks to spend, so it is run it back. You won the Super Bowl, you got to get back there. You have the team in place to do that already, so yeah, if Von Miller wants to come back on a good deal, if OBJ wants to come back on a good deal, great. But like those aren't those aren't priorities. Uh, ultimately, it's going to be the core that's there. You're running it back. You're trying to stay healthy, and you're making marginal improvements where you can. You got to hit on those late round picks that they have, uh, and you're hoping to be back where they were last year, right? I mean, it's as simple as that.
0: Yeah, I don't know if the, I don't I. <clears throat> just personally i don't know if that has obj in the cards and i don't i don't i don't think that that should have obj in the cards but uh, i guess time will tell with that moving on to the arizona cardinals um a team that started off red hot fell off the cliff towards the end of the year made it into the playoffs had an embarrassing loss in the playoffs um and kyler murray has been in his words, the scapegoat for that loss, he did not play well. Um, but we have to look at the, the entirety of the year. He wasn't protected very well. This was a guy that was on the run a lot of the time, having to make plays with his legs and arm, uh, trying, trying to make throws out of the pocket or either tucking, tucking it and running it. So um, I think that the Cardinals really need to build on the offensive line. Um, I think you can do that in the draft. You can do that in free agency, wherever you decide you want to do it. I think that the Cardinals really need to make an improvement on the offensive line to protect Kyler Murray, because that's your franchise guy. Now that's the guy, that's the guy that's going to lead you there. You just got the big deal with him, So, uh, you better, you better start protecting him.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is all about keeping Kyler Murray happy. Right. And we saw this. You know, he deletes all the Cardinal stuff off of Instagram. And, and as you said, his agent puts out that that big, long letter calling him the scapegoat and, and all this stuff. And and ultimately, when you have a guy that talented who you spent the number one pick on, you got to keep him happy whatever, whatever that looks like. And and you couldn't you couldn't go wrong uh, trying to protect him even better. Right. So yeah, hundred percent offensive line in the draft with that late first round pick, or even in free agency, depending on how the money works for them. Uh, I think that's where they need to look as well. I think the secondary is, is a good spot to look. I, I think they have some nice young pieces, guys like Byron Murphy out of Washington. Uh, you know, you obviously have Buda Baker back there at safety, but, uh, adding a cornerback as well, uh, vet, there's a lot of veteran cornerbacks available in free agency that could uh, be a- additions. Uh, you know they're they're going to be losing Chandler Jones is a free agent. Uh, they they've moved on from Jordan Hicks. They're releasing Jordan Hicks to save some money at the linebacker position as they've invested at linebacker in the last couple years. Uh, not a lot of you know big time free agents outside of that. So you have some room to grow. But yes, offensive line, secondary, uh, and just keeping Kyler happy. Because uh, you don't want to lose top tier quarterbacks when you have them in your franchise, you just can't afford to let those guys go. So you gotta you gotta make it work. You gotta make it work if you're Arizona.
0: Yeah, I think you got the weapons to keep them happy. You just have to keep the offensive line there to keep them happy. So, or so that's the direction I feel like we're kind of in agreement of that they need to go with um, the 49ers, Dallin very clear what they need to do for me they need to get off the jimmy g contract they need to trade jimmy garoppolo and this will open up cap space for them to go outbid everyone for amari cooper to get the <laughs> second big weapon in san francisco to complement debo samuel you have the switch army knife And Debo Samuel, he could catch passes. He can be a high volume reception guy. He can go ahead and run the ball behind the field. You need the deep threat guy that Amari Cooper is. He can also run. He can also catch the ball over the middle. You need to go outbid everyone to get Amari Cooper. And that starts with trading Jimmy Garoppolo and getting off the rest of that fat contract that he should have never gotten in San Francisco. And that's where the, that's where the move starts for San Francisco commit to Trey Lance, get him an extra weapon in Amari Cooper by or via getting off the Jimmy G contract. That's where that starts for San Francisco.
1: Yeah. I mean, Jimmy G is clearly gone, right They're They're transitioning to Trey Lance. You don't trade up to the number three pick to take a quarterback in last year's draft. If you did not intend for that guy to be the future and Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, as great as the run was and getting to the NFC championship game is fantastic, but I mean, we saw it throughout the playoffs, the clear limitations that he gives you, right? And the difference at the end of having a Matthew Stafford and having a Jimmy Garoppolo. And so, uh, yes, they're going to move on from Jimmy G. They'll clear some cap space. They'll get, a, you know, some draft capital back there. Uh, and building around Trey Lance and, and giving him the best situation possible is going to be imperative. I don't I don't hate adding another wide receiver there, a top-tier guy. You can never have too many weapons. And, yes, they have Debo. Yes, they have George Kittle. Yes, they have Brandon Ayuk. But it's a three-wide. T- it's an eleven-personnel league, right? And and yes, the the Niners don't always run eleven personnel. They love the fullback. They love use check. They'll they'll you know move guys in and out. But Ayuk hasn't. He had a good year last year, but he hasn't really emerged to be everything that you have seen. So perhaps adding an Amari Cooper would help. Uh, Mitch, the the position that I. Uh, that, that seems most obvious to me is is cornerback. Uh, they're Jason Verrett, Kawan Williams, Josh Norman, all those guys are free agents. Uh, and they weren't very good last year, anyways, at the cornerback position. That was the one clear weakness on this defense. It was in the Super Bowl run, right? Even with Richard Sherman on that team, it was still the weakness. Uh, when they made that Super Bowl a few years ago, the, the front seven was fantastic. We know how good that is, and it is still very good when healthy. Uh, secondary is going to be key. So adding veterans and free agency in the secondary, they don't have a first round pick again because of the Trey Lance trade. So uh, they don't have that late first, but you can find guys in free agency to fill those roles. This is ve- very much a roster built to win. Now it's all going to come down to how you develop Trey Lance and how you build the team around him. I trust John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan in this organization to get the most out of, Trey Lance, they got the absolute most out of Jimmy Garoppolo. And, I mean, they went to two NFC Championship games and one Super Bowl with him, right? That's pretty damn good, uh, to, you know, with a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. So Trey Lance is everything we think he could be. Uh, the Niners are in for uh, a long a long time of success.
0: Oh, yeah. They're, yeah, they're definitely on track for that. Um, Dallin, final team of the NFC that we need to talk about is the Seattle Seahawks. Um, you and I are both on board with this. Yes. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna label it with a simple hashtag. Hashtag tank for Bryce tank for Bryce young. Yes.
1: Yes. Mitch, Mitch, this, this is, this is it. You heard it here on the sports hour. We are calling this now. Bryce young is Russell Wilson 2.0. He's like the same size, a very similar play style, and and this is this is the move for the Seahawks, right? Yes, you have the number nine pick in the draft this year from the Denver Broncos, and you could absolutely look at a quarterback. Perhaps Malik Willis is still on the board at nine. Uh, perhaps you like Kenny Pickett or Sam Howell or one of these other guys. I don't, with the way that this team is now and the direction that they're going. Forcing a quarterback this year is not going to help you long-term. You are better off starting Drew Locke and Geno Smith next year and winning three games and being in a position to get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or whoever else is going to be at the top of the draft board next year because the quarterback class will be better in 2023. Those guys are going to be up there. And who knows who else will emerge in the next year as we see every year the Kenny Pickett's the Zach Wilson's the Joe Burrows that rise up draft boards in the process of the year and get themselves in that conversation it's going to be better in 2023 so everything this year needs to be about clearing clearing cap space adding draft capital moving on from Tyler Lockett you've released Bobby Wagner anybody else who has any trade value get rid of them too and Get yourself in a position to have a top three pick next year in the draft and hashtag tank for Bryce. That's it. Russell Wilson 2.0. It's a perfect fit, Seahawks fans. You just got to suffer for one awful season in 2022, and you'll be fine.
0: I mean, you know, I love some Bryce Young. I know, you know, I yeah. love me yes, some you Bryce do. Young.
1: And I do too. I love the kid. So Cal, I'll tell you SoCal what. So Cal kid
0: if the Seahawks do this right they move on from Tyler Lockett but they they hold on to DK yep. because they need that big weapon for Bryce Young to yes. walk into so if they have a shot at Bryce Young they win two three games next year they get the first overall pick and they get Bryce Young he's got to have a big weapon to throw to got to hold on to DK and if they don't get Bryce Young then you move DK and then you're like all right total start from scratch we're going all over. Yeah, you know, we're starting all over. So, um, yeah, we are on, we're on the on the same track here with the Bryce Young situation. 100%. Down. That wraps up every NFL team needs all of them. All 32. We have talked about all 32 NFL team needs and that is going to end that little section. And I think that's we all we got for the uh for the podcast here today.
1: Yes, that is it. Uh 32 teams, off season needs. NFL free agency uh begins a week from the day we are recording. That's that's March 16th. Now, March 14th is when teams can begin negotiating. So next Monday, uh, we'll start seeing this team. This guy's going here, this guy's going here. It doesn't become official till free agency starts on March 16th. Uh, but free agency is right around the corner. So we had to give you the off season team needs. So there you go. We'll have uh, more free agency to uh, you know break down next week as we start to see deals and and uh, players uh, finding their new homes. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's gonna be it for the pod. You know, guys, if uh, if you don't already, you gotta follow the socials. Follow the Twitter at Sports Hour guys. Follow the Instagram at the Sports Hour guys. Follow the TikTok at the Sports Hour guys. You can also follow me on Twitter at Little Thoint visit the website. If you haven't checked it out already, the sportshourguys.wordpress.com. You can find that link in any of our social media. So you don't have to remember it. Uh, you can just go to any of our profiles. You'll find it there. Uh, Mitch is bringing hot corners every week. I'll have more mock drafts moving forward. We've got other contributors uh, waiting in the wings that we're going to be getting on the site uh, soon. So look forward to content and check us out there.
0: Yes, absolutely. Check out the website. this is something that me and Dylan have been working on for a while so we're we're really proud of the the product that we're starting to put out on the website um but i want to remind you guys about anchor if you haven't checked out anchor go on anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys you could listen to all our podcasts there and you can even leave a voice message if you have a question that you would like to pose to me and Dallin. we would love to hear it. We'll post it. We'll put it here on the podcast. We'll answer your question. Become a part of the conversation. We would love to hear from you. That is once again anchor.fm/slash/the sports hour, guys. You can listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts: uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review. Tell us we suck. Because, down, that is the only way that we can get better.
1: It is the only way that we can get better. So we hope you tell us that we suck a lot. Uh, guys, thanks for sticking around for this podcast. Thanks for listening every week if you do. And even if you listen once a month, we appreciate you too. So uh, until next time, uh, we love you. We appreciate you. And we will catch you
0: next week. Rob Manfred is a clown! See ya!